What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast. My name is Mitch Oliver. I'm one of your hosts here every single week. And with me, as always, uh, Boozy. We got Boozy here. And much like ghosts, our guests are real. This much I know. <laughs> um, our guests this week are, you've heard them on a plethora of podcasts, including the Cobwebs podcast, Film Feast, Shock and Awe, Inside the Sequel. And I'm so sorry if I'm forgetting any others. Um, but these boys get around in the podcast world. So uh, you've heard them on all those shows. And we are welcoming Hayden Gilbert and Mark Warner to the terror table. Hello, Howdy, gentlemen. Hello. It is a pleasure. That voice you heard is Mark. Mark, introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. There we go. Hey, guys. There's Warner. And uh, Hayden, why don't you say hello to the teabags? Hello, teabags, and don't be silly. Of course, I am Mark's sister. <laughs> That's me pushing him off the balcony. And he's wa- he is wasting no time getting to those references. Absolutely. That was the only quote I could remember off the top of my head. Don't remember such you a just, course. Condescending like man. Just get him out at the start of the episode. I watched this thing, and here's me quoting it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so but this episode, this is going to be our one that's bridging the gap between our yearly Christmas special, which you'll have heard last week with our guest Nick Humphreys on Christmas Evil. Um, and I think the yeah, this episode is going to come up, come out between Christmas and New Year's. And we wanted to do that. I think it was actually Hayden's idea that uh, we want to do like a snowy ghost tale. Like this is something that you kind of imagine around this time of year. It's the kind of movie that you want to see. Uh, we're talking, of course, about Guillermo del Toro's Crimson Peak. Or as I like to call it, Christmas peak. <laughs> Christmas peak. Christmas, Christmas peak. peak. Christmas qu- peak. Quickly, this was a Hayden suggestion, but I'm assuming, Mark, you're you're also a stan of this film. Oh, yeah, I absolutely love it. Hayden and I, uh, w- there, there are some areas we really don't get along, but we have these like weird areas where we click and our love of uh, this is one of those areas. Perfect. Yeah, because I know originally I ended I had uh, invited Hayden on when he was talking about Dracula Dead and Loving It on the Film Feast podcast. And I was like, you would uh, you and Mark want to come on and talk about some horror comedies? And apparently horror comedies aren't really your guys's thing. Yeah. Uh, happy that we found something that is your thing. So, yeah, we're going to talk about Guillermo del Toro's Crimson Peak. And uh, I think the next episode after this will be our annual top 10 episode. And Boozy and I will be sharing our top 10s of the year. We're going to be mixing it up and cooking in the kitchen. (laughs) That's exactly what we're doing. It has been like an exceptionally, I won't say a great, I mean, it's been a very good year for horror. It's been a lot of horror this year. Yeah, tons. Like, how did Christmas Bloody Christmas go to every theater in the United States? (laughs) Oh, my God. That was in theaters and okay, so I don't think that that was in the theater in Canada, but I could be wrong. I watched it on Shutter. There's only yeah, like it, theater in Canada. It came out. It came out in Shutter, and like we didn't we didn't get the new Spielberg movie for like oh, two that's months. Wild. Yeah, yeah, we 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 just we just got it. So not two months, but like right. we j- just got it weeks after it it made its you know wide release. But we've had Christmas bloody Christmas playing for weeks. <laughs> that's wild. Playing in every Cinemark, it looks like crazy well yeah maybe we'll be hearing a review on christmas play christmas from y'all uh but i guess before we do all that so we're gonna obviously we'll talk about crimson peak at the end at the top of this episode at the peak if you will 
Sorry, that was uh, boo. That was boo. a good one. I like <laughs> that. That was, uh, was good. You, uh, Will. Yeah, but before that, we'll we'll share what we've been up to, what we've seen recently. But before we do all that, let's just let's uh, give our listeners the lowdown on both of you guys and like what your history with horror is, and you know what's the kind of stuff that attracts you to the genre. And obviously, you guys are both horror fans. Uh, let's lead off with Mark. Mark, why don't you tell us your story? Explain yourselves. Uh, I mean, uh, I don't. I. It's kind of tough to sum up. I don't really know it. I've just always kind of been uh, drawn to the genre. I kind of, when I watched Grindhouse, that's when it kind of clicked for me. Like, oh, wait, this is my favorite genre. And ever since then, it's been like, what my my go-to, even though like the stuff I gravitate towards the most is like kind of uh, calmer, more quiet stuff. Like, uh, like the like, like what you guys covered last week with uh, Matt, the Black Coat's daughter, which I'm uh, I'm mad that he beat me to that one. That one's a good one. Yeah, he called he called dibs on that one a while ago, and I know yeah, obviously that episode's out now, so people can hear that we're huge fans of it. Um, a good but, episode. Thank you, yeah. thank you. Yeah, and obviously, like uh, I like that you're you say that you're more into like the quieter side and you know the subtle and darker stuff, but. Uh, <laughs> Then you have a saw poster behind you, which is not like um, that at all. You guys are also the biggest Halloween kills, Hello Green stands that I know. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, Halloween Gentlemen. kills is like the most you know, obnoxious movie I've ever seen. <laughs> one of my favorite things about this podcast, I love how every now and then a like random quote unquote bad or a movie that's not you know widely viewed as good movie will get mentioned offhandedly not even as part of the main conversation and mitch will be like oh i love that movie <laughs> very often a lot and it infuriates me that halloween kills is not the recipient of that <laughs> okay that's I, I think in like a couple years he's gonna come around he's gonna have like this really goofy fun stage and realize the goofy fun that it is here's the thing once we get pe- once they announce the next uh, direction they're taking Halloween a lot a lot more people I think will start liking the Halloween oh yeah it's the same thing that's happening with zombies movies are getting reappraised yeah. now because people <laughs> are so pissed off about the I, I'm neither here nor there I've gotten over my my uh, annoyance with, with those movies but I, I do I love listening to you guys talk about that trilogy because uh, you guys truthfully love it and I, I love that for you wait so out of the three what is your favorite boozy and mitch what are your favorites out of the three because i know y'all don't like them from like the inception like, you guys for, are gonna for, hate this but honestly and ends is my favorite i love i love ends. yeah i love ends. i mine's in order of how they came out uh, they're they're oh, crazy all... I yeah, thought you like but... kills even more, but yeah, Boozy, you would love those movies. I, no, I, I like the way that uh, the subtlety of, of the first one. Yeah. <laughs> I've been meaning for an entire year to um, give props to Boozy for being the only one on this podcast <laughs> to like kills Hell and to yeah. speak so kindly of it on your episode about it last year. I remember I was jazzed on it and, and I see a lot of people clowning weird things on there. Mm. So thank you. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> quotes on weird no that's awesome yeah okay so we we caught up with mark a little bit but hayden what about yourself like you you're the one who uh pulled crimson peak out of the bag here uh so i what, what's your bread and butter I'll do a condensed a very condensed history of horror with hayden uh, eli roth's hayden's history of horror i uh so <laughs> like my dad showed me the universal monster movies as a kid and i i fell in love with them from that i really love uh monster movies and like gothic 
horror are, are like my bread and butter when it comes to two things that subject. also cross over together really well. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like, so it's different parts of my personality. Like I, I like specific slashers. I don't love the slasher subgenre and stuff, but like, I think also the fact that I was a very dramatic uh, theater kid when I was like in grade school, I think because of that, I was like, Whenever I'd watch gothic horror, I'd be like, "Ooh, I love the way these people dress. I want to dress like that." I was a total fucking nerd. So like I like I just like the I love the aesthetics of that stuff. And monsters are just cool as hell. So um, yeah. that's really the that's area awesome. of the genre that I like. Yeah, yeah and I, I can relate to that as well because I I had messaged Daniel about it. But when I, when I was flying, I was I was out of the country, and I, while I was flying home, I listened to your Sleepy Hollow episode with Daniel on cobwebs. And that's like a very foundational movie for me as well. And it was very much that nerdy. I love the aesthetic. I love the way they dress. I love the way they talk, even though like Johnny Depp's accent changes throughout that movie. And I still like that's a five out of five for me. I love that movie. That movie just has like the best line readings, like every every character has something great. Yeah. So it makes sense that we've now found ourselves at Crimson Peak, which I'm very excited, very excited to talk about eventually. But uh yeah, now that we got that out of the way, let's just kind of kick back and and talk shop here, talk horror. Um, who wants to go first? Let's uh, let's let's pass it off to Hayden first. Oh lordy, okay, I gotta pull up my letterbox because I, Mark can tell you, I have a notoriously bad memory. Um, Mark, what have I? What have we watched? We've watched a bunch of stuff together recently i mean i guess we can uh i thought i was gonna be the one talking about it but i guess we can both talk about christmas bloody christmas there we go uh, you can take the lead on that one i don't really remember a lot from christmas bloody Christmas. that's true he, he fell asleep during a <laughs> large, long chunk of it it felt like uh i was, was uh, that the movie's fault or are you just a sleepy guy uh i'm a sleepy guy i was very respect. very drunk uh okay, and double respect yeah and okay so here's the thing it starts off and i chose it i was like mark i really want to watch i know you just saw this in theaters but i really want to watch christmas bloody christmas and we watched it and i've never seen a joe bagos yeah joe bagos yeah i've never i had never seen a joe bagos movie but i'm familiar with like that crowd because i was a big shockwaves listener so like yeah i i know he kind of runs with them and you know his his group so um we watched it and i i oh boy I, 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 okay mark you take over <laughs> it look, look i i like joe bigos maybe against my better judgment he's like the most derivative filmmaker working today i mean hayden put it best i don't know why i never thought of this he's like kind of shitty rob zombie where everything he Jesus. does is like i'm i'm it's like everything he joe does joe is, i'm sorry joe i'm sorry joe he does the throwback like everything of his is like a callback to an earlier era but yeah i guess even that's more, a good point and the literally, crass language oh, okay yeah. so every other word so here's the thing i'm sorry what i meant by that was like so every guy in this movie looked exactly the same they all looked like him and that's the thing was whenever you're watching a Rob Zombie movie, everybody's like, oh, everybody looks like Rob Zombie. So I'm, I'm watching. I'm watching. This you think Christmas that's like a sexual thing? I think so. He just wants to see himself in every right. human being. <laughs> but uh, but everybody looks like Joe Bigos because he pops up later. I was like, oh, it's another beard white guy with long hair. I was like, oh, OK, it's him. 
And so like, so they got that in common. Then the very colorful language, which with Rob Zombie, he kind of like, I know a lot of people dislike his, his uh, crassness, but there is like a beautiful. Uh, Rob Zombie's very creative with his vulgarity. And yes. Joe Bigos just has every other word uh, be fucked. Like, fucking, there's a fucking killer, fucking Santa, fucking comer man, after us, it, fucking man. It was absurd. Like, I'm a guy who can't get through a sentence without saying a, a swear word. And I was like, oh my God, like, they, were they trying to break the record? I remember seeing a tweet from Joe Bigos or someone involved with the movie about like, I think we beat Wolf of Wall Street. So I think they were like intentionally trying to do it. And it's a movie that's half the half the running time. As I say, it's like three hours shorter than Wolf of Wall Street. (laughs) I, 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 I feel like I was. I sounded like I was negative on it. I actually do really enjoy the movie because for all of its obnoxious BS, it's still Joe Bigos has an energy to his movies that just really works. And it doesn't reach the highs of something like VFW, but I, I, it's the, it's also maybe the stupidest movie I've ever seen, but it's like, I don't know. It's <laughs> yeah. a, it's a, it's a good time. That's a that's tall all order right there. That's, yeah. that's all I can say. It's a good time. Yeah. Well, he and the, he and the other, who's the other guy that we brought up last night, Mark, the other uh, Oh, Mickey Keating, the, Mickey the other Keating, derivative yes. guys. Yeah, they're two. They're two filmmakers who, like Mark said, very derivative. They kind of like make love letters to the kinds of movies they want. So I don't know because I know of the movies Bigos, Bigos. I, I don't know how to say Bigos has done. I know of them, and they're like all pastiches of specific movies that he loves. So I really don't know like his specific voice other than like redoing these things that he likes sort of like mickey keating so they're you know they're like fans as ryan turk would say they're like fans like the rest of us but like i don't really know what their specific deal is so i thought christmas play christmas was okay I can't tell you if it's better than violent night i didn't see violent night yeah i, I want to see violent night i've heard it's great He's bringing up all these comparisons because I know he wants me to comment on them. Yes, I saw Violent Night. I didn't like it. I liked Christmas Bloody Christmas better. Oh, there I we don't, go. I don't want a dog on it because a lot of people seem to be enjoying it. I just yeah. like poking the bear. <laughs> Poke away, my friend. Poke away. Awesome. So, <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, Christmas Bloody Christmas. So it sounds like it's a lukewarm. Uh, it sounds like lukewarm to Mark favor. Mark in favor. So it's on Shutter. Yeah. Give it a look. It's definitely worse things you could be watching, but uh, but yeah, there are way worse things on Shutter, in fact, that you could watch. Yeah, Much worse. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, let's <laughs> let's pass it to Boozy, and then we'll just kind of go around. But Boozy, what have you been up to? What have you been watching? Uh, I've been getting in the Christmas spirit, so I checked out two Christmas horror films, which I'll talk about. The first one being Silent Night, Deadly Night Three. Better watch out. <laughs> movie how many christmas horror movies are hyphenated with better watch out <laughs> like there's so a many weird like... <laughs> apparently that's the only time you can watch out is around christmas the rest of the year you have to be like and it has unaware. to be better it can't be worse yeah, yeah you just have to watch out <laughs> okay so silent night deadly night part three so yeah we, we did we do the first two 
Yes, like, we did. Uh, okay. I remember because I, I knew we did the first one and I was like, okay, I'll check out the second one. And then I remembered that the second one basically is thing. just clips from the first one. And I remember us talking about it because it was like a five minute review. Um, but yeah, I wanted to see where three went. So this is directed by Monte Hellman uh, and it's, it was direct to video in 1980. What year did this come out? 1980 something. Mm-hmm. Uh, blah, blah, blah. In the 80s. 1989 okay. yeah um and anyway uh it's got the santa claus killer he has a giant globe thingy on his <laughs> around his brain and his brain's exposed and he's in like a coma but then he wakes up because there's a girl who has a psychic ability and is connected to him and then she goes to her grandma's for christmas and he like wakes up because a Santa Claus comes and says hi to him. And then he kills him and becomes the Santa Claus again. Anyway, uh, the it sounds the, like that Johnny Depp film Transcendence. It's just well, see, it the, was so much oh for a Christmas God. slasher film. The uh, thing anyway, I hate like, about it is that it's so derivative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, like this has been done so many times. This is, yeah, this has been done many <laughs> times and better, let me say. Uh, especially the part where she can uh, she sees everyone's kills before they happen and then she remembers people's names because she's like never met some of the people that get murdered so it'll just be randomly a scene you know she'll be doing her thing and all of a sudden she'll just stop and then she'll be like Jimmy and then it'll just do this weird ass flashback and yeah it's just it was not great Um, it it felt kind of Christmassy so I appreciated that part of it um but yeah, yeah I'm curious, overall, are, are you doubling this one up with another installment from this franchise maybe okay all right because yeah i'm confused these all bleed together for me because i've only seen the first two i finally watched all of them how many are there there are six if you count the remake yeah there's a remake too right i forgot about that there are six and um the first one is legitimately great. I really like the first one. And then the others, I just, <laughs> I have no strong opinions about the others. I've been told numerous times by my friend that the fourth one is actually very good, but I've seen it and I, I was a sleepy boy during that one too. And I fell asleep. I, I'm starting I just... to just think you're a sleepy boy for most films here. <laughs> I kind of am. Clint Howard has like a shrimp that he puts in people's. Uh, okay, so is this the one you're going to, Boozy? Are you going to four? Yeah. Okay. Oh, All right. sorry. Oh, here I'm we sorry. go. You bury the lead. I, I, the only reason I know that is because you mentioned Clint Howard and a shrimp, and Boozy sent me. <laughs> you sent me the, an image of that, so I, I assume that's the film you're about to talk about. Yes, uh, I didn't know if you wanted me to wait a little bit. No, that's suspense. okay, so I watched Silent Night, <laughs> Deadly Night Four, Initiation. This came out a year after three and has nothing to do with three. So it has really has nothing to do with any of the other movies in this franchise. Uh, this is directed by Brian Yuzna, Yuzna, yeah, who Yuzna is legend. famous for doing society and from beyond. Yes. As well as uh, didn't you do reanimator? Uh, no, that was Stuart Gordon. He did bride of reanimator. I think he had something to do with reanimator. Yeah. Yeah. The sequels. Um, Anyway, I it was weird. I didn't realize that. I didn't look up who directed this, obviously. I'm not like, oh, wow, it's Silent Night, Deadly Night 4. So I just started watching it. And that was something that was in my head for a lot of this is 
this feels like society and I don't know why. So I was very surprised when I actually <laughs> went and looked like it up. Society. <laughs> it, it really does, which it says a lot about a, a Christmas movie, right? Anyway, this whole movie is about a, a bug. So I, I don't even know how, how to explain it. Basically, uh, a lady falls off the roof that's on fire and she gets squished onto the ground and a bunch of people see it. And then some reporters go looking for it. And then this lady meets up with a group of women and they all start hanging out. And one's a, a couple of them are reporters and there's a worm society and, and they have to give bug birth to reanimate a God. It's it. Listen here, man. I, I'm not a doctor, but this sounds exactly <laughs> up your alley. Lizzie. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> it, it was, it was, but they didn't give me enough of what I wanted. It was a lot of people just talking to each other and Ugh, only a little bit of people ingesting worms and, and okay. So at one point, uh, somebody uh, gets, uh, gets raped while what somebody's wearing this weird, like clown nose from like slipknot mask. And then they're also putting gooey worms on top of this person <laughs> while it's happening. At, at one point, a bunch of people burst into a, a family's house that's having a Christmas party and like slaughters them. So there's a little bit of Christmas there. I remember there not being any snow. And so I was like, I'm disappointed. Yeah, I was like, it's not they they do not try. They just put a tree up inside these people's right. Home. I was disappointed that it wasn't really Christmas movies. So and then I fell asleep probably. But like what Bo- I, I feel like it was it was made as something else, uh, and then oh, yeah. they just tacked on this weird ass scene and then flew it on through as a howl or a silent that movie. would make the most sense. That would make more sense than anything in the movie. Now, what Boosie forgot to mention is that. When the lady jumps off the building and she smashes into the ground, the crowd comes up and a, a hospital security guard is leaning over and a troop and a tube shrimp crawls out of her body. And he says, now he's turning us into monsters. Oh. <laughs> and it's Sheriff Brackett from, oh my God, I'm sorry. Oh my God. That's, <laughs> That's all I got. Jesus. Yeah, I don't. I okay. Is this the one? It sounds like you guys have seen all of. So Hayden, you had mentioned you've seen all these movies. Is four the one mm. that people? Because I know there's a later sequel that people like. Is that the fifth one or is that the fourth? Fourth. It's fourth. The fifth one is the one with Mickey Rooney, because and that's it's the only notable thing about the fifth one is that Mickey Rooney was famously like, all these fucking slashers are terrible. The kids shouldn't be able to watch these fucking things. Because he's from a Joe Bigos movie, he's like, they, they should be watching these fuckers because uh, it, it shouldn't be making Santa Claus a fucker uh, killer. Fucker killer. And then it turns out, and then they some, <laughs> then they got him for the fifth one, and he was like, uh, I have no strength in my convictions. <laughs> he's he's, he's like the villain in the fifth one. You know what? Like we always say on the terror table, you just got to chase that bag. <laughs> like, we always, like we always say. <laughs> yeah, get it, Mickey Rooney. Dude, he yeah. uh, he he definitely got it. And uh, get that silent night we money. We just watched it the other mm-hmm. night and I could not tell you a single thing about it. I couldn't tell you a single thing about it. What I'm, what I'm finding about these silent night films as I've gone on in the series and I don't think I'll continue is that they're kind of like Amityville. Oh. It's just yes. in name alone and then they just do whatever the fuck yes. they want to do. There's not 400 of them. 
Uh, yeah, the only yeah. If once this thing gets to public yeah. domain, well, fun, it's over. fun fact, just from digging around IMDb here, looking up the initiation, uh, the director Martin Katrosser, I'm probably butchering that name, script supervisor on Kill Bill Volume. Isn't 1. he script supervisor? Isn't he like do every wow. Tarantino movie? Or oh, I just see he wrote the screenplay for Friday. The yeah, 13th he's had a three. weird career. And four. Oh, and five. Sorry. He's like part of Tarantino's <laughs> yes. Rat Pack. What do you th- if you if you were in the like you're in the film business? What do you tell people? Do you tell people, oh, I wrote a couple Friday the Thirteenth movies, or I'm Quentin Tarantino's strip supervisor? Which one of those do you go with? That's a tough one because those are both those are both awesome. Depends who your <laughs> yeah. audience depends. Is, do they I like think. to fuck feet? Like if if it's more of the yeah, like if it's the feet people or the horror people, that's really where you differentiate. And when it goes in between, you can yeah. double whammy them. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's Silent Night, <laughs> Deadly Night, Part Three and Four. Double header. Um, that's a. Uh, I guess I'll just quickly knock something off. I we just got back today. I went to Seattle for the evening, and I went to the Museum of Pop Culture, so I got to see a bunch of really cool things. Do you feel? Do you feel depressed? Do you feel more? Uh, yeah, I, there is something in my butt. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. Yeah, I checked out the Nirvana Museum. It was funny. I went with my uh, my roommate. He's not a, a Nirvana fan at all. I am. I actually do like Nirvana. Right. Um, but he's like, yeah, like, just look up wherever places you want to go. I was like, oh, ooh, I want to go to the house that Kurt Cobain blew his head off at. And he's like, what is wrong with you? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's famously you can go and take a picture. But I had to choose between that or go and visit the the, the filming locations for Twin Peaks. So that was obviously the highlight of my trip. Uh, a huge everyone who listens to Terror Table knows I'm a Lynch stan. I love Twin Peaks specifically. Big time is uh, my favorite. My that's my favorite of his material. And it was just awesome, man. I went to the the Double R Diner, like the which is actually known as Tweety's Cafe, and I had uh, a breakfast. And I was like, "Well, God, I gotta have cherry pie." Like, and it's funny, I don't like cherries, and I'm not a pie guy. Uh, so I was like, "How are you not cherry a pie, pie guy? Hits what different? It, especially with a glass, a cup of coffee." What did pie ever do to you? It, what is it? What about <laughs> it? Don't you like? I'm like offended. I'm not I'm not team Jason Biggs. Let's let's put it that way. So someone told me a long time ago, they were like, are you pie or cake guy? And at the time, I was like, I'm more of a cake guy. They said, look, here's the thing. You can eat a piece of pie by yourself. And it's fine. If you're eating a piece of cake by yourself, you're at rock bottom. <laughs> and I said, That's a great quote. You're like, that's some real shit. I wish that I could go back in shit. time and make that my high school yearbook quote. <laughs> That would have been great. But yeah, no, like I'm not not really a pie. I'm not. And I just specifically, I don't like cherries. I never have. But that's like what mm. is always served in Twin Peaks. Famously, specifically, David Lynch would go in and get a get a slice of cherry pie and a cup of damn fine coffee. And uh, it was mm. funny. I, I almost got out of there without getting pie. But then I was like, I asked for uh, I wanted to buy one of the double R mugs, like just to take home with me. Uh, so I go up and they then they clearly go, oh, this guy's a Twin Peaks fan. And then the person upsold me. He basically acted. He basically acted. <laughs> he's like, pie? are you not going to have pie? I was like, oh, man, I'm full. Like, I just had just had breakfast. He's like, do you not like Twin Peaks? Oh, my <laughs> God. He challenged. <laughs> oh, he challenged your fandom. Slit you into that one. Yeah, he upsold me hard. And I was like, you know, what? God damn it. I'm going to get it. You're not going to leave without pie, are you? 
not like a, a true Twin Peaks fan would do anything like that. I'm a pie guy now. I'm specifically a cherry pie guy. Well, that was one of the shit. best pieces of pie I've ever had in my life. Um, and there was like a let's let's go eat it. Let's go to a pie eating contest, and you can try different flavors. You can really let's jump right in the deep end, Mitch. Yeah, <laughs> cherry pie is the only pie, as far as I'm concerned. So I think you're good. What? No pecan. Pe- no pecan pie. Pecan pie is good. So there, I mean, good pecans decent pumpkin pie is decent but like after i had cherry pie i'm just like i don't ever want to go back to any other pie banana cream dude icebox lemon pie no no well now you just icebox lemon pie dude (laughs) welcome to the pie cast freshing (laughs) the fresh yeah the freshest place on the internet it, it was it was amazing and then we went to like the the historic waterfall that's right behind the black lodge and uh, it was amazing. Has anyone ever jumped off of that? We looked it up afterwards, and yes, <laughs> a lot of people. I'm glad that you also, like, that's the information that was, you need. That was Arden's thing. He was like, man, he's like, do you think anyone's fallen off that or jumped off? And I'm like, that there has to be an answer out there for that. And he's like, oh, boy, yeah. so many people have died on that on that cliff. <laughs> on purpose? I, I think a couple on purpose and a couple not. Oh. Either way, moral of the story is it was a great trip. I highly recommend visiting uh, the Tweety's Cafe in North Bend. Uh, if you're ever in that area and like all those fil- filming locations are within a five minute drive around there. Uh, so that was awesome. That- also shout out our purse close, no- per- close personal friend of the show, Eduardo Sanchez. We got to see his video camera from yep. the Blair Witch oh, Project like- was in that museum. Yeah. Oh. That was very cool for me. Um, yeah, we're friends with him. Yeah, if you guys didn't Close know. friends. We, yeah. we know. If, uh, well, whenever you talk to him next time, tell him uh, Hayden said, hey. Yeah, you were like, you've got the biggest <laughs> Twin Peaks fan on here, the biggest uh, Blair Witch fan. You are just pressing all of Hayden's buttons right now. Yeah, my buttons are all Hayden, if, in case you're wondering, Eduardo Sanchez is not circumcised. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> You heard it here first. He told me he was. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Word He's on the a, street. I guess Eduardo Sanchez is a damn liar. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was awesome. I highly recommend checking. That was my first time in Seattle, and uh, just wanted That's to awesome, go man. take the trip because it's like a two time. hour drive from Vancouver. So, but did you go to did you go to the cafe from Fraser? We did not. We actually found out on the way back that Frazier was filmed there. And I'm like, well, of course it was because the Space Needles and a bunch of the, the cuts. I, I haven't seen Frazier in years. Can I just add, like, people watched Frazier? Believe it or not. Oh, man, people love Frazier. I never. You didn't toss salad or scramble eggs? No. <laughs> Couldn't do it. Hayden talked me into watching it about a year ago, and I blasted through right. like five seasons in a couple months. I blast, I blasted through it's those fun show. <laughs> Yes, so some of my uh, some of my favorite comedians that like talking on podcasts are huge fans of Fraser, and they say it just gets better with age. Dude, um, Fraser's so good. Yeah, so I, I plan on like back. Seinfeld. Like, I feel like I grew into that well, show. Well, Seinfeld's, Seinfeld's the best. I mean, Seinfeld's the tops. You can't beat it. Yeah. It is. I yeah, I love. But I I remember as a kid. Fuck, this is such a tangent. I remember like I I got tricked. I, thank God I'm a lazy piece of shit because that's how I got into Seinfeld. Is that it was like the only thing that was on, and it, rather uh-huh. than yes. going out and doing yes. something else, I just sat there and watched it. I'm like, oh, and that turned out to it's be amazing. So like, Daytime like, TV had few options, but like you always knew Seinfeld was there. Remember calling in sick for school or like faking sick for school and yeah. all that's on is Judge Judy or just for last reruns just for last. Re- oh, my God, that's Canadian. I don't, I don't know. know I think that's a Canadian show. thing. You guys probably I've never heard of that. 
just for laughs is that like america's funny some videos no it's literally it's just stand-up comedy from a montreal fest and they have probably like 20 hours of it and they chop it up and play it again and again and again and it's all from like they're still yeah and they're still doing it like actually bobby lee is coming here with just for laughs so i plan on going to that i want to see it um but yeah that's uh that was my trip saw the the screen accurate or screen used xenomorph oh, from alien as well so that's that was very pretty cool. fucking tight that sounds like a great trip honestly <laughs> oh yeah that is a great trip yeah, yeah so seattle turns out positive review i like seattle right. it's fun oh yeah uh but not yeah that's a, not a great place to blow your brains out <laughs> oh my god i guess i opened this up um yeah no it's that's the other thing we just really, i guess arden was just looking up uh facts about seattle and like it's like a serial killer capital of the world too like so many serial killers come from there and that would explain why the killing was there. Yeah. A show the killing was based there. Yeah, it's it, it, what's funny though is the killing was filmed in Vancouver, but historically they famously always film in Vancouver and say it's Seattle because why would you say that it that story takes place in Canada? That's just <laughs> tomfoolery. Silly. Like, how do you even say Vancouver? <laughs> Vancouver, look, here's the thing. I was a big X Files. I was a big X Files fan growing up. There you up. go. And when they went to L.A., it just did not feel the same. Mm-hmm. The Pacific Northwest, specifically Vancouver, has such a nice feel yeah. that it's like. And, and that's why, like, the first the pilot of Twin Peaks and the uh, and season three and sp- specifically the like um, the establishing shots that they actually shot up there, they just hit so different than you know the rest of the show is shot in california just it just doesn't feel the same yeah agreed did you know that the reason x-files moved to la is because david Duchovny refused to he's like i'm not filming vancouver again he just fucking hated vancouver so much (laughs) david what the fuck yeah um yeah so that was my fun shenanigans uh mark do you want to hit us with something you've seen i'll hit hit up a little something i uh i just got that sexy new juon box set from arrow in uh that was somebody black friday no, that one was not that was a pre-order so that was not up for any of those deals i spent i just spent all the money on okay. that because that's one of those i've been waiting for those to be boxed up together Kind of perfect timing is I watched uh Juwan the Curse, which is the first like it's uh the first DTV Juwan movie, it's the first feature length uh Takashi Shimizu did. Um, Juwan the Curse, actually, first time I saw that movie was uh the week that Crimson Peak came out, so it was kind of perfect timing to uh watch it this week. I get to talk about it when I'm talking. This is very specific that you remember these things. Listen, I have a very weird memory when it comes to movies. I don't know how, but I remember the most random stuff. Anyway, I I love that you you could like write a, a sitcom like that, like all what you were doing exactly when movies came out. <laughs> I'm the same way. I remember like where I was sitting for the Passion of the Christ, but I don't remember what I did yesterday. Well, Mitch, it was the Passion of the Christ. <laughs> That's true. It was such a weird pull. I don't know why I went there. <laughs> It's just been on your mind. Whatever. Yeah, it's, it's, close, it's close to his birthday, you know, yeah. big homie's birthday. So. Oh, my God. Didn't mean to cut you off there, Mark. I don't know. I mean, I don't have too much to say. Like, it's it's basically a shot on video version of Juwan the Grudge. It's a uh, lo fi, a lot of static camera shots. Very, very low budget. There's a truly like there is an, a terrible shot of what someone without their jaw that was um 
done a lot better in Jew on the Grudge, but it's such a, it's still such a creepy little movie that in spite of its flaws, I kind of love it. And this is like its first time getting a home video release, I think, or outside of Japan. What year was this released again? It was like 2000. So basically it, yeah, the, the two Jew on the Curse movies came out in 2000. Then I think Jew on the Grudge came out in 02. And then the American Grudge came out in 04. So they fast tracked those things. Yeah. Are you telling me they pulled a Ty West and they released both of them in the same year? <laughs> Wild. Boy. These madmen. Um, question for you, though. You, you mentioned the jaw thing. That's all I remember from the American Grudge. Is that like the same thing? Like, is it just the same effect, but probably done a little better? It's um, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it looks like they just drew over that part of the frame they just like drew they made it they drew on this woman to make it look like she was missing her jaw it's truly something else is it like goofy or is it unsettling it's goofy it is what's funny it's a very unsettling moment because he's a like he's good at tension and dread and like he kind of had that from the get-go and then the middle of this very creepy sequence, it cuts to that, and it's supposed to be this shocking reveal. And it's so bad. It's so bad. Yeah, so it sucks when that stuff doesn't uh, doesn't hold up. I wonder if it did at the time. Because I, I know just similarly, because it came out around this time, was a movie that we watched recently, The Eye. Like there, there's, oh, yeah. there's so many amazing sequences in that movie that like are actually genuinely creepy, but you could just tell that technology wasn't there yet. Um, but they still managed to pull it off with just tone. Yeah, that what yeah, that's I see, I'm a big J horror fan because yeah. a lot of them are like they are very quiet movies that kind of rely on dread. And I just I eat that stuff up. Yeah. So I am I am thrilled to have this box set and I love getting to rewatch that one. That's Jew on the Curse. Sweet, Jew on the Curse now on uh, Arrow Video. Hell yeah. Uh yeah, and I, I should mention it's only a, it's I mean most like video nerds know this, but it's a UK only release. So um like don't Mark just got a fancy uh region free player. I did I upgraded to a region free player mainly for this box set. That's some commitment and I, I really yeah. appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, I'm I've I've been meaning to do that, but I just like I have so many I, I, I have been lucky enough that I haven't had to have too many movies that aren't that are like uh, not region blocked or anything like that, but I do know I have a copy of the American Werewolf in London porn parody. Um, oh. What is it called? Always oh, a classic. I, I honestly don't even know. It's still it's still wrapped. It was given to me as a gift from a friend, but it was like, oh, it's region blocked, so I can't even watch it, even if I wanted to. So now, uh, American Werewolf in London. Oh no, it. I'm pretty sure it's nothing in... creative either. Oh. I'm pretty sure you can. There's like a setting for your like PlayStation that you can switch your region. You can only do it a certain number of times, though. I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the caveat. Did they just call it the same thing in American Werewolf in London? And London is just the name of the girl that the werewolf bangs. <laughs> that would make way. I don't know why I didn't piece that. Starring together. London Keys, dude. There you go. There you go. All right, we got the that's, inside. I can't knowledge believe I didn't think now. of that. That's absolutely what the the joke is i'm sure in the in the title i didn't even piece that together yeah oh that's good this isn't a joke <laughs> this is a porno <laughs> these people all love each other very much 
Oh, so, okay. Uh, Hayden, do you have anything else you want to talk about? Um, I there's a few I could choose from, but I know there's one specifically that I still need to talk about, and it it could lead pretty well or pretty nicely into Crimson Peak. So, uh, how much time do you want to devote to the pre Crimson Peak? Uh, we're gonna have lots. Let, let's do do a different one than that one, and then we'll we'll pass okay. it back to you before we go into the main feature. Okay, gotcha. Okay, so um, yeah, there's a few different ones i could choose from but i guess i'll choose the movie that's rather new um have have y'all ever heard of uh this movie called the history of the occult right you were you were mentioning it to me but i i actually haven't seen it it's a Ooh, spanish no. language movie it came out uh letterbox says 2020 but it wasn't readily I, I think it played festivals or something but it just finally got dropped it's finally available to watch in north america on a scream box that really really janky <laughs> shout out <laughs> scream box terrifier too baby i am a dumbass <laughs> and we programmed this movie at the saskatoon fantastic film festival a couple years ago that's where <laughs> i've heard about it. i was gonna say it sounded oh, really familiar a couple okay, years so, ago so this one's kind of been waiting a while to come out then i think well i think i think it was during COVID. i think this was the because we were <laughs> historically the only festival that was running in person during the pandemic um did represent but awesome. the, 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 well, the we, best, we the best said, part fuck it. It is that the only people that were there were the people who were putting it on and we're all like so far like everyone there is like the furthest thing from anti-vax or anti-covid and yeah. it's like so it yeah. was like we had a giant theater and we were all sitting like far apart yeah sure we'd seen most of the movies when we were programming them um but it still was just nice seeing movies in the theater during a very dark time but okay, history That's of the occult. Did you get to watch it? I I can't remember. I don't think I did see it. I don't think this is one that I Okay, saw. so I'll try and jog your memory. It's in black and white. It's Spanish language. It yes, is I have a seen it. yes. Yes, yeah. it's a it's a like <laughs> it's like a political conspiracy thriller mixed with the other movie I'm going to mention later, uh Ghostwatch sort of. So it's like it's very cool. It's uh, it all takes place over it basically in like real time um, over the course of like a little bit over an hour. It's the last show in this uh, broadcast of this very famous um, investigative reporter type show, uh, sort of like 60 minutes or something, mm -hmm. but for uh, I, I can't remember whichever country this takes place in. And um they're doing they've been doing an investigative report over the president's alleged ties to like this cult and um, their funding has been pulled. The show's getting shut down. But through the uh, support of a of a um, a non or not not exactly anonymous, but this like suspicious group, they've been giving the funding to finish out their investigation on the last night that they can and of course of course it's aligning to some sort of event that's going to happen at the very end of the broadcast and so you're following the in-studio um interview of this guy who said he knew and kind of made the president who he was who has now been like excommunicated from the cult and you're also following the journalists and the producers of the show who are hiding out in an apartment who are trying to do a little investigation of their own now um 
my attention span is not what it used to be. So I was kind of having a hard time catching up with the plot of it because it doesn't hold your hand at all. Were you but sleeping? It, no, I, I was not busy. You have a track record, <laughs> I my not guy. Sleeping. I was not sleeping during this one because I had been looking for it. <laughs> Are you sleeping right now, Hayden? I have 100% seen this movie and I remember feeling the same way where I was like, I don't really know what because it does. It moves quick like with the dialogue yes. and it's a there's a bit of a cultural divide because it's a i think it's argentinian i, I could be wrong but uh, yes i think it is argentinian so um i there is a divide and i don't know who's responsible for the subtitles i don't know if it's the actual subtitles that came with the movie or screen box you know the box you know, screams Got to shout out the box so the box uh i don't know if they screwed up the subtitles but there that. are a lot there are a lot of weird discrepancies and typos and shit that made it even more confusing <laughs> trying to figure out what was going on. <laughs> However, the movie is insanely compelling. Like the plot is really compelling when you know what's going on. And I love conspiracy thrillers. I love horror movies. I love the occult. So I was all in, all in on it. I don't want to mention anything else about it because I feel like I've already probably given too much away. But it is a really cool little movie, and you can finally watch it now. Yeah. If you Shout out Screambox. Screambox. Yeah, another one that Screambox. we don't have in Canada, but hopefully it's coming soon. Um, yeah, I, I want to see this one again, because now I want, and I'm looking at the IMDb. I remember really liking it by the time the credits rolled. Uh, but I, yes. I had a similar experience where I was like, uh, I, and I remember thinking the same thing. I thought about Ghostwatch while I was watching it. But uh, yeah, yeah no, I need so, to check yeah. this out then, because Ghostwatch yeah. is a great buzzword for me. This, this, was, a, this was a J. Luke uh, choice. I think I'm pretty sure he he shout out for this homie one. J. Luke. Yeah. So cool. Well, yeah. So it's history of the occult, which you can see on Screenbox. Uh, awesome, Hayden. Um, Boozy, do you want to hit us with one? That's all I got for this. Oh, you got guy. Okay. Yeah. Mark. Come, uh, come yeah. through, buddy. That's all make I got. I, make one up. I, <laughs> I can. I watched the new Park Chan Wook decision to leave. That's not a horror movie. I saw that but, too. You know, there's. There's there's some horrific things in that movie that now come on Mark you watched the Rebecca McKendry anthology movie all the creatures <laughs> listen <were> you <laughs> actually do watch that I what yeah I I'm trying to he's yeah he he knows what he's doing yeah uh, it wasn't burning his positivity here this was another uh, Hayden sleep watch we watched it right after Christmas bloody Christmas and <laughs> Ghost Watch more like sleep watch. Yeah, Mark, fine. I'm starting to think that you're Hayden's like white noise machine. Like you guys start watching movies together and he just goes to sleep and, you know, you're it's very Honestly, comforting for him. It's actually one or the other. Either he's he falls asleep or I fall asleep. That's yeah, true friendship. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, what, do you, what, what do you want me to talk about? Decision to leave or all the creatures were stirring? All the creatures. I want to hear this. OK, that's good, because that's more appropriate for this. Uh, I want to hear about these creatures. Look, all the creatures were stirring. Uh, it's it's not good. It's an anthology. It comprising of like four segments and a wraparound, and only one of them I would say is good. There's like a three star segment mixed in with a bunch of one star segments. It's I I don't want to be overly mean, but I think it's pretty incompetently made. <laughs> it um like they have 
Constance Wu from Crazy Rich Asians in one segment, and I feel like the entire budget went to getting her to be part of the cast. Yeah, this was uh, doctors don't always make the best directors. I, I still haven't seen Glorious, but I've heard Glorious is awesome. Well, you're not talking to the right person to get that opinion. That's all I'll say. <laughs> now, okay, I will say this: I was not a big fan of Glorious, but I the direction really wasn't the problem with me, uh, or it wasn't the biggest problem with or for me with that movie the the writing for that one was i, I just wasn't a fan but yeah, um that's fair well i like that i like that i watched we watched hayden plant a trap for mark to walk into <laughs> you if you're he does this all the time he did it on he did it on film feast he'll probably do it again on whenever we do the in top 10 weeks. episode yeah. in a few weeks yeah. awesome okay <laughs> you know too I much like about you admit it too yeah i'm gonna do that <laughs> It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. All right. Well, uh, yeah. I guess before we get into Crimson Peak, let's uh, let's le- let's end off with a little review on a movie that I know all of us are big. F- Actually, I don't know about Mark, but I know that Boozy and I are huge fans of Ghost Watch. Hell yeah! yeah so I uh, haven't we, seen we, it. We name dropped it earlier, and I the entire reason I bring it up is because out of nowhere, a few weeks ago, I saw. I saw on Amazon this this link go up for Ghostwatch coming out to Blu-ray. And I mean, you guys are familiar with it. This has been one of the hardest movies to find yes. for a long time. And it disappeared off the internet entirely a few years ago. Shutter took it off. Yes. I don't know bar. about Canada. Yeah, I don't know about Canada, but I couldn't find it to watch anywhere it, over here. And I, you know, unless you maybe wanted to illegally downloaded or something mm-hmm. torrented or something but um but i finally i uh, saw that it popped up on amazon was not expecting anything from it because i didn't know the company that was putting it out so i was like eh, it'll probably be some cheapo transfer on a on a blu-ray disc mm-hmm. but i'll get it it's only 20 dollars, and this thing is amazing it's like an arrow release it's got really it's got this yeah it's got the script it's got um a booklet with filled with like essays and stuff it's got these cool little collectible cards it's got an amazing making of bonus feature so, so there's really some like legit love put into this yes and uh and yeah absolutely and so i uh, popped in the the actual movie earlier to uh, rewatch it because it's been a while since I've seen it, and man, it is just a, an absolute gem. Like it is yeah. such, I think it's like a masterpiece. Yeah, I, this is one of those. Actually, there's been quite a few of these, but one of the many films that Mitch got me onto, and yeah, I just remember after watching it for the first time, it's like, okay, this is how you create tension. This is how you actually scare people. This is great. And it wasn't even really, that's the joyous part about it too, is it wasn't even really meant to have the effect that it had. Like it was Mm -hmm. real, real journalists and like uh, news reporters doing a Halloween special that, and they took Mm -hmm. the joke so fucking far. And I appreciate that kind of hustle. Um, Cause yeah, so the the aftermath of that movie is insane. Like someone, a, a kid killed himself because he was so scared. Um, what? Yeah, that actually happened. It was it was pretty wild because at the time, what year was this? Was this ninety three? Ninety three. Yeah, because it was ninety three, and it had a war of the worlds. Effect. Totally. Yeah, they aired it on oh the BBC God. for every. It went into every single household that had BBC, and people are watching it. And it's essentially <laughs> the Conjuring two 
but f- real. And uh, yeah, it's like the infield poltergeist, but yeah, you know, updated nineties, and it's got like it's got Michael Parkinson in it. It's got like yeah. these. I mean, famous for Britain, these like famous newscasters mm. who everyone knew and loved. Uh, just like it'd be like if, well, knew and loved. I was gonna say Matt Lauer, but oh. it'd be like if <laughs> it would be like Ooh. if all these like. I'm trying to think of some, I'm trying to think of someone. Give me Kimball. It'd be like if Al Roker was was uh, did like a Halloween special. <laughs> Who are these people you're pulling out? I could say this Jimmy American Fallon shit, and move on. on. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon's not a news guy. He sucks. Yeah. He, he well, doesn't news like adjacent him. things like Edward he, R. Murrow. Mm-hmm. We Walter Cronkite. Yes. No, uh, it's but okay, but Stephen Volk. Uh, who wrote it he he talks a lot on the documentary and apparently mitch this was written to be a six hour event so it was going to be like an hour a night oh my god and then they didn't have the budget for it so they were like okay let's let's just scrap the first five and only do the last hour and everything (laughs) that we wrote for the other five will just be like the lore and backstory that we'll just hint at in that final hour and do, to me, that is a key to making this as like interesting as it is. Because the same thing with the Blair Witch. They thought out this really complex lore, and then they only hint at it and let you be yeah. the investigator. No, I, to thank God they out. didn't make the sex. Because also the, the, the viewer, the amount of viewers would have been substantially less to, to get through a full mm-hmm. six-part series of it and everything. And it works just so well right. as like an hour special. Uh, that's like and i know it's like it's clearly clearly it's fake but it does feel it has that authenticity to it that i remember that's one of the rare movies that actually really and i don't even believe in i don't want to blow her low too earlier but i'm I'm not i'm a skeptic when it comes to to ghosts and the paranormal and everything Mm -hmm. that movie still creeped the shit out of me when i saw it it's super scary it's so good and the fact that it's still effective today when you're watching it like all the concepts and the way that they go about things it doesn't feel corny it it still feels like an event that you're a part of and it does feel like i know because i've recommended it to a lot of people and across the board most uh, every single one of them has become a fan of it by the end of it um, but I do know I had a few friends that were like, it's pretty dry at the beginning. And it's like, cause it's just a, you know, it's a, quite dated. It's from the nineties and it's from the BBC. It's a, it's a perspective that we're not used to. And, uh, yeah. but I think that that movie just like by the end of it, it just works so well. And it's so creepy. Did y'all ever see the WNUF Halloween special? I don't think so. I don't think I did. Okay. It's. It's made in the style of this. It's like a pastiche. It's sort of like if Joe Bigos did like a ghost. Oh one. No, I'm joking. But it's, it's sort of like if it's like a love letter to Ghostwatch, sort of, because it's it's made to be an artifact from the 80s that someone found and like on like a taped VHS. Mm-hmm. But it was made a few. It was made in like the 2000s and or maybe 2014 or something. But um, it is. Like they entirely made this 80s broadcast uh, Halloween special. And then they even made fictional 80s uh, c- uh, commercials that are like like ser- like fake cereal commercials and fake toy commercials and stuff like that. It's really cool. It does feel authentic. However, it has its tongue in its cheek. So it doesn't feel quite as authentic as Ghostwatch because they play it 
because Ghostwatch plays it completely yeah. straight. And so I would recommend the WNUF Halloween special uh, next Halloween, yeah. Mitch and Boozy, if y'all want to yeah, check that, that out because it is pretty cool. Yeah. Is what year is that? Um, I'll have to look it up. I think you said sometime in the 2000s. Let me see. Let me see. I need to watch both of these. Have you not seen Ghostwatch yet, Mark? I haven't. Yeah, I'd be curious to hear what you think of it. It's it's a it's a such a just such a creative, fun movie. It's, and a, especially it's a gem. It just gets better knowing, like obviously I'm not saying that it was good that someone killed himself. It what I meant by that is that there was a lot of like like it really got people. Like they That's how it, how real it feels. It screwed up like they it shut their phone lines down because people were calling in so concerned because they couldn't believe what they were showing on TV and like they thought it was real. And uh like I just can't imagine like that. That's the kind of thing that would have scarred me beyond repair if I would have been if I would have seen that on TV when I was younger. Like I just I don't know. It's that's crazy. Fucking crazy. Yeah. So it was uh, WNUF was 2013. The same guy Chris Lamartina just made the Out There Halloween mega tape that came out this year. I haven't seen that one, but um, cool. If it's anything like the last one. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm adding this because the first time you said it, I thought you said WWF Halloween special. And I was like, <laughs> where are we going with this? With and I thought you said the UHF special. <laughs> Weird Al Yankovic. The WWE UHF special. Awesome. Okay. Well, yeah, that's a quick little review on Ghostwatch. Do you guys want to talk about uh, some other ghosts in, in the world of Guillermo del Toro? Ones that leave their Speak impressions. Ghost. Oh man, I didn't watch The Devil's Backbone. Oh, you've seen it though. I watched because actually I haven't seen Devil's Backbone. Oh, that's my second favorite. Character. I meant to like catch up on all the Del Toro that I hadn't seen for this episode, and work's just been so crazy. I didn't have time, but yeah. I really, I've had that like Criterion three pack of that Chronos and Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. But I still haven't gotten around to those other two. Just Pan's. Oh yeah, no, but pan, pan, yeah. Oh, love Guillermo del Toro, but uh, yeah, it's okay if you he's just amazing. watch women mimic. It's okay, like sometimes oh, yeah. you just watch. Mimic. I, I am a mimic fan, so I'm a I'm mimic fan, big time. Yeah. I knew you guys. My man, think. my man. All right, never seen the mimics. <laughs> okay, well, you like, we'll be... you like bugs, there, buddy. Yes. <laughs> we're gonna take a quick little break here, and then we'll we'll be back to discuss Guillermo del Toro's Crimson Peak. Boob shrimp. Oop, shrimp. Ghosts are real. This much I know. What do you mean by? Take a little walk to the edge of town. Go across the track. Edith, this is my sister. There are parts of the house that are unsafe. This secret Find the nursery in the attic. On a gathering storm comes a tall handsome man with a red In your own best interest, proceed with caution. Has anyone died in this house? Specific deaths, violent deaths. I have to leave. 
you away. There's nowhere else to go. This is your home now. All right, and welcome to our main feature presentation where we're going to be discussing Hayden and Mark's choice of the week, Crimson Peak, directed but written and directed by Guillermo del Toro. Uh, this movie came out in uh, 2015. I remember that because this was right near the end of Sons of Anarchy, I think. And this was when uh, Hollywood was trying to make Charlie <laughs> Hunnam happen. And you know, uh, you're totally right. That yeah, was ever, when they were like, oh, yeah, he's well, a I guess star. P- Pacific Rim was before this, too. Though, and don't, he was don't he was give up that. that fight hollywood that's a good fight <laughs> yeah so uh yeah we we've talked a lot about guillermo del toro's films on on the show i don't think we've talked we definitely have not talked at length about crimson peak so i was very happy when you came up with the suggestion i do have to say this does trump my uh dracula den loving it pick but i still wanted to do that on the show at <laughs> nah, some point yeah no nah, no nah. yeah, nah, nah. that's a good movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's a good movie um it's a good movie <laughs> Okay. All right. Let's lead off. I'm going to pass it off to Mark here first, because you out of everyone are the one I know the least amount of uh, least amount about your history with this movie and like what your general thoughts are. Uh, So, Mark, let's uh, let's just take it away. Well, I should point out, you said written and directed by Guillermo del Toro. We should throw in it was actually well, it was co-written by Matthew Robbins, who uh, also co-wrote like uh mimic like like yeah he co-wrote mimic and one i'm very fond of he co-wrote with del toro the uh don't be afraid of the dark remake which del toro didn't direct but it feels very much like a movie he directed i think that's got that palette yeah which was directed by a saskatoon boy too sorry so i'm 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 lost right now that's because i cut you off a bunch I'm uh, used, I'm I'm no stranger to that. Cut me off all you want. Hayden does it all the time. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so, I'm big mimic fan, big don't be afraid of the dark fan. Oh yeah. Huge Crimson Peak fan. It's my favorite Del Toro film. That's hot take number one for tonight. I'm sure the first of many. <laughs> uh yeah, I was, I mean, always been a big Del Toro fan. So when I heard this was coming out, I was so excited, even though I'm I'm not a big period piece guy. Like the further you get away, I'd say like the night before the 1970s, the further you get away from that, like you have to work harder to get me interested in your movie. But if it's Del Toro directing it, of course I'm going to be happy. And if Are you it's, telling me you didn't like 1917? I want to watch 1917. You liked it point. better in 1916, as we said. <laughs> um. Oh god. Okay. I uh, uh, you yeah. completely Crimson... derailed them on that. Yeah. So <laughs> like you're generally like are you are you generally a fan of ghost tales because this is uh it's a gothic a whimsical, romance. Yeah. So gothic and romantic that's, ghost tale. I, I am a big fan of ghost stories. So you throw a ghost into a movie uh un- unless it's just, you know, Casey Affleck wearing a sheet over him, I am on board for your movie. <laughs> anyway, no um, love for ghost story, hey. Haven't seen it. I'll probably isn't, like isn't it. Casey when I watch. Like, speaking of speaking of pie. Oh right, there's like a he, fifteen minute uh, scene of eating isn't pie. Isn't he uh, canceled? Isn't he one of the many canceled stars? He's one of them. Yeah, but he's yeah, one. I think I remember canceled. you telling me something about that. Yeah, I used he's... to keep a close tally on yeah, everyone. You're really good for that. 
I, I honestly took a step back when Daniel Epler called me out being like, Mitch Oliver is obsessed with everything wrong that people have done in their lives. And I'm like, maybe this isn't a good. Well, it's, we say Matt is the hound for justice, but I think Mitch is. The no, hound it's for it's I, I liked it just because I would be like, oh, I really like this person. What have they been up to lately? And Mitch is like, oh, they beat the shit out of somebody in Hollywood. Won't cast me. I'm like, oh, OK, that makes sense. Why I haven't seen that. Oh, OK. okay. Yeah, I'm a real, I'm a real. Uh, you're you're a real wikipedia the life of the party is what they say i I know how it feels to be called out by daniel he recently called me out for like going to my notes at the end of every episode to see if i have anything else to say so i will not be doing that tonight daniel daniel's never said one wrong word against me so (laughs) yeah yeah it seems because you're a perfect human being and you're you're the perfect human being who did bring up that uh you suggested crimson peak so why is that hayden why did you want to talk about this one well, f- first, I want to establish. T- how do we all f- do we do any of us? I want to establish each and every one of us thoughts on ghosts themselves. Do we believe? Yes. No. Maybe. Ooh. I'm a hard Mitch. no. But Mitch, I'm a, I thought you said you're a skeptic. Yeah, I am. You're I, like, I, you're in, are you in the middle? Or that's what? my nice way of saying grow <laughs> up, you fucking fools. <laughs> I'm a soft no. Like I, you I know want, what? I'm, I want I'm down with the ghosts. I, I think I love I think ghosts. There's got to be something to it. Yeah, I do love ghosts, and I love Casey Affleck as a ghost. Or it, I don't even know if that's. It's been so long since I've seen that. Um, <laughs> that's Mitch's way of saying he'll love Casey Affleck when he dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I I generally just I love ghost tales as well, ghost stories. Some of my favorite horror movies are are supernatural horror movies. That's you know. funnily enough and i'm not i know i say it every time i'm not going to keep talking about my own movie but gothic like gothic films and ghosts and honestly even another one we talked about is j-horror which if you watch the druid's hand trailer you see all three of those things in it is uh that those are just general things that i like i like the gothic feel the aesthetic i love the idea of of a presence that you have no control over that there's nothing that you can do to to prevent them and i mean unless you have a ectoplasm gun or whatever is in ghostbusters um but yeah i'm a fan boozy what about you i already said i believe in ghosts yeah do you like i'm also a big fan big i I thought we were asking just if we believed in ghosts but i'm also a big fan of ghost movies i i think that they uh yeah there there is something to something that isn't malleable or, or anything that you, something not physical that that can harm you is, is always a cool cool story to be told yeah mark i do you believe uh, i'm i'm a i don't believe i'm open to it though if i find if i ever see enough evidence i'll be like okay i believe yeah. now if you ever saw I, like a ghost crossing the street you're like okay i'm good i should say i want to believe yeah, because I think mm-hmm. it, I think it would be cool if uh, that stuff was real. But it'd, I mean, it'd be less depressing if you could think about, you know, maybe something else after all this. But then at the same time, it's like that could be more depressing. Like you're going to tell me that I got to do more of this shit after I die. I got to do more. Like, <laughs> if you imagine, I was, like, I just want to sleep. You, you just spend the rest of your time just like stuck in a Walmart parking lot. So you have to watch as they slowly update. I mean, I think, would that be better or worse than being stuck in Allerdale Hall watching? uh... Hold hold, hold on, hold on. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Uh, Oh, yeah. Being stuck in Allerdale Hall would be pretty awesome. I feel like you'd get that place cool. I feel like you'd get um, tired of it after a little while. (laughs) 
Especially but, okay. with those people. No. I, all right. We will get to that because they're sexy. What are you talking about? How do, how do you not want me stuck there? Anyway. All right. So my thoughts on ghosts in the daytime. I'm a Mitch. I'm a skeptic. However, I'm also a Mark in that I want to believe. But at nighttime, I'm a boozy. As soon as the sun goes down, I believe in everything. I'm oh. very scared of anything. Yeah. <laughs> so, once the once so the sun like, goes down, no rules apply anymore. No. Things can do whatever. No they rules want. apply. Yeah, there's I have no strength in my worldview and the convictions of my yeah. world. All yeah. the creatures. And will start. I will be honest. Yeah. You're even as this huh? Sorry. I was gonna say as soon as the sun goes down, you're like easily corrupted. Ease so easily. Yeah. Uh, like every road I come to is a crossroads and I'm always bargaining for my soul. <laughs> but, uh, I, uh, I will say this. I had as much as I want to believe, and I'm always looking for these things that, you know, that can't be explained because whatever I weirdly, I would find comfort in the things we can't explain. I don't know why, but, um, I will say this, even as a skeptic, I have experienced a few things that I genuinely have no uh, explanation for none of them are very particularly big or dramatic they could be anything but in the moment i was like i don't know what that was i don't necessarily think they're ghosts or anything but just very a, a few handful of very strange things that have happened so to make the world more interesting sometimes i'm just like yeah sure i believe in ghosts so i i think it basically gets down to i want to believe in ghosts more than anything yeah i love that uh, uh, but I love the concept of ghosts. Like I find them an endlessly fascinating subject. Anytime I travel, I go on whatever local haunted tour they have. Cause I always find the haunted history. Of You're that guy. That's amazing. What about serial killers? Yes. Are you the guy who will do the serial killer things? Serial killers. I'm less interested in because I find like, the murderinos and the true crime subculture are a little disturbing yeah. sometimes. I still find it interesting, but I find the paranormal stuff more interesting because it's a weird way that like local communities catalog their history. And it also makes you realize just how morbid every everyone is because everyone has a ghost story, even if they don't believe in ghost stories, which means they like talking about them. Mm -hmm. And I find that interesting. And the reason I don't mean to monopolize anything, but I just want to say the reason I wanted us to talk about Crimson Peak is because before Halloween was popularized, Christmas was the time of year that everyone told ghost stories. It was a very big tradition before the 1900s for people to tell ghost stories in front of the fire. And like, we should bring that back. That's all I'm saying. This guy with his knowledge of the history of the occult, it always <laughs> boggles my mind I, how he I just love pulls that. this stuff up. Hey, I've seen the movie, The History of the Occult. <laughs> yeah. so I love, no, I love it. I just, I'm yeah. always shocked how he just pulls these facts out of the air. He, he clearly just yearns for a time of fire and storytelling in person. Like this, this must yes. be like a, this must be a side effect of COVID. I, I think we, we yearn yeah. to return to the caves. Yes. <laughs> long COVID. Uh, I nap during movies and I long to return to the case. Yes. And question for all of you. Do we think that the ghost of Stanley Kubrick is terrorizing Greta Gerwig right now for that Barbie trailer? <laughs> I, 
I hope I hope he can't rest. <laughs> I think he's one more take. <laughs> I think he's too busy. He has just never stopped haunting uh, Peter Hyams, so he hasn't gotten right. around the Mike Flanagan <laughs> or Greta Gerwig yet. Yeah, is it because Peter Hyams is best friends with OJ Simpson, or is it because he made 2010? Or is oh it- my god, maybe it's the latter, or maybe I mean maybe it's the former. I did not know about the the Peter Himes OJ correlation. Neither did I. <laughs> There's some Mitch. Add it to your list. Another Aiden has like a OJ friend tracker, and it just shows like who all the people that are friends with are cool with OJ are. Well, he made he made a what is it Capricorn one right? Yeah, yeah. So made that with OJ, and he's the only reason I know they're friends is because he's in that seven hour ESPN documentary, the thirty thirty yeah. uh, OJ Simpson thing. That shit was amazing. And they keep cutting back to Peter Himes. And he's like, my friend is a killer. <laughs> like, like, oh, that would explain it. Like, God damn, Peter. What the fuck? <laughs> Peter's really going through it in that one. I mean, yeah. talk about a tangent. <laughs> hey, we're okay. We're talking about ghosts. We just had a tangent about a maker of ghosts. Yeah. So. All right. So now let's just talk about Crimson Peak. Yeah. So, yeah, like Hay- Hayden, I, I know like you, you, we just finished talking about all of uh, our queries about ghosts and everything, but uh, but this was a movie that you suggested. What what made you want to talk about this one? You clearly are a big fan. So I can't set this up without talking a little bit about Guillermo because Guillermo kind of like Mark said, I, I kind of feel similarly. I think I... It's just it's sometimes I feel like I like him more than I like his movies, whatever movie I'm watching of his, because he is just such a compelling guy and very, very thoughtful. Um, Mark, you were trying to watch the the commentary, the movie with commentary, right? I made it about four fifths of the way. (laughs) And why was Mark? at first it was because I was impatient at trying to take notes. But then I actually kind of got over that. But then I had to go to work this morning. And because things didn't work out, I wasn't able to finish it. But it's a fascinating listen. Just always full of knowledge. Just full of passion about what he's doing. Just a great guy to hear talk about movies and horror. Anything on it. Truly. And I would agree with that. And uh, whenever you hear about directors or filmmakers who put thought, you know... you know, everyone should put thought into every detail of their movie, right? Like, like Kubrick, you know, people say that about Kubrick. Well, Guillermo backs it up because I did watch the commentary and like Mark, I, I stopped taking notes because I was like, it's, I would just be transcribing everything he says because everything he says is worth repeating, worth saying in the first place. And it adds so much to what you're watching. Every little detail means so much. And it became a little overwhelming, but it was also just very interesting. And that's why I like him so much, because I genuinely feel like, you know, people say that about Jordan Peele, too. He's a very thoughtful filmmaker. Uh, Guillermo is kind of like that as well. I just think Guillermo's movies kind of stand on their own, maybe a little bit more than um, I feel like Jordan Peele's movies do for the most part. Uh, But uh, where was it going? Sorry, where was I going with this? Oh, a lot of the times with Guillermo's movies, they he's like he says this. He's he's more a fan of the aesthetic of horror than he is of what he calls the mechanics. 
So he doesn't really like making horror movies so much as making movies from other genres with horror, you know, aesthetic and, and feel and vibe to them. And so a lot of the times I'm like, okay, I'm watching shape of water and I like a lot of the pieces, but this is, this doesn't really represent what I loved about creature from the black lagoon growing up. It's like, it's sort of some ideas that I maybe would have liked at the time, but it's, it's not really a creature from black Lagoon movie. It's a movie about, you know, love and communists or something. Yeah. I can't and just being, <laughs> being different. And like, that's what, that, huh? and, and just being different in general. And I think that's such a and common just thread. Being attracted to fish. Yes. But, it's, yes. but that's a common thread through all of Guillermo's movies. And like, yeah, he, not every single one of his movies is a horror movie. I think it's, there's actually very few that you could classify as a straight up horror movie. Um, but the, the, at the, the feeling and the presence of horror is always there, but that's not his main focus of his stories. And I think that's what made his movies always have like an element of the fantastical. Um, but, but I think Crimson Peak is one that I remember when this came out, like I was obviously so excited about it. Pan's Labyrinth is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, I love Devil's Backbone. I like, I like almost all, I like all of Guillermo's catalog, but I only like truly, I'm like you Hayden, where, I like him more than I like his movies even. Um, and that's not saying that he's made even a single bad movie because I don't think he's ever made a movie that's bad. Uh, it's just, I I feel like the, it's movies like this where he reaches his greatest, it, the, the, it's movies like Crimson Peak that you feel his greatest strengths in. And I think it's because he's such a compassionate person that it makes like those those elements of the story work so much better Everyone was pissed when this movie came out because it was marketed like a straight up horror movie. And then they found out mm-hmm. that it was like actually a gothic romance. But watching it again, this movie's gnarly. Like there's a lot of brutal violence in this movie. And I remember uh, one of the common criticisms that it's taken even over the years. I still hear people talk about how the head crushing scene in the bathroom wasn't earned because it was like so abrupt and out of nowhere and like over the top. And the rest of the movie isn't like that. Watching this again, I disagree. Like the end, the last like forty-five minutes of this movie is brutally violent, and he gets stabby in this movie. There's lots of stabs. It's a very over. I mean, I feel like it's just a very. It's a very over-the-top movie in general, in terms of the very melodramatic, the environment, in terms of the emotions. Like it's a movie where the past is lit. The blood from the past is literally seeping out of the ground around the house. Like it's. You can't get more over the top than that. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, just exactly what y'all are saying. Like it's these are all little elements that make this. I think this is my favorite Guillermo movie because more often than not, I kind of like the ones he produces a little bit more than the ones he makes. Like I kind of like you, Mitch. I don't dislike any of his movies. There's a few of them I really love, like a, a very small few I really love, but like. I love scary stories to tell in the dark, man. Yeah, me too. I really like, yeah, I really like don't be afraid of the dark. Um, I like mama, you know? And so, but with Crimson Peak, even though it wasn't the, you know, uh, cause I think it came out around Halloween. It, even though it wasn't the straight up horror movie that they kind of marketed it, marketed it as I also love Gothic romance. And I love the Gothic and this has enough horror in it to, I mean, no one's going to, 
I'm not going to argue that, oh, this isn't really a horror movie because I think horror is kind of a flexible genre. But I just think I just think this is like my favorite Guillermo movie. I love the time period. I think it's set during like what they call like the Gilded Age. I kind of mentioned earlier, everybody dresses like a boss. Like, I mean, everybody looks so cool. And um, the Victorian era. The, the Victorian the, era. That's because yes. you had like one shirt and one. So everybody looked super fucking cool, but just stunk to high heaven. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you had like one shirt a week. Yeah. Like you looked you fly as like, fuck from a distance. You got up close know. and you smelled like a bathroom. Edith seems to have one hell of a wardrobe on her. She's always wearing something very stylish and very different. Mm-hmm. Well, they're new money. Because her dad, her daddy—that's <laughs> true. Her daddy mm-hmm. was a uh, was a steel worker. He had rough hands, Mark. Yeah. And before we get before we continue on, one thing we haven't touched on is Boozy. I, I actually don't know hey. your takes on Crimson Peak and how you feel about this movie, but uh, take it away. So this is my second time seeing it. I actually did talk about this on the podcast after I'd watched it the first time. This was years ago, though. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like I. I guess just because we all had kind of talked about our, our Guillermoisms, my favorite Guillermo movie is Mimic, which is not entirely his movie. I understand, um, but, but have you seen just... the director's cut? I think I watched that when we originally did the episode. I watched both versions. I don't know much about the production troubles on that movie, but I know that he is like a staunch defender of like that is my version of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I know he he still said that he's like there. There's no world where he would be able to make that. That's what the material that he has that was shot that he was able to shoot. That's the best he could do with it, and mm-hmm. it is a good movie. Uh, but I know he he was historically just so brutally fucked with on that movie, and like mm-hmm. the Weinstein's just did whatever they could to keep him down and make sure he wasn't putting his own cinematic voice in it because he wasn't Guillermo yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was one of the the. Those guys have done a million stupid things, but um, yeah, limit limiting a, limit limiting a guy like Guillermo is just the dumbest. Like it, to me, it's bizarre that we're still living in a world where he needs to fight to get his at the mountains of madness movie made. Yes, it's like yes. what are we yeah, talking about, you guys? You gave him, he finally got an Oscar for The Shape of Water, which I don't even consider in his top five movies. I still like that movie, but yeah. like I I uh, I love like the Devil's Backbone, Pants Labyrinth, even Kronos and uh, Hellboy Two. I, I love the Hellboy movies and like uh, it's great. Yeah, I think his vision and I'm a like I'm a hardcore Hellboy fan. Like the graphic novel, the comics, and everything. Um, and that those movies are nothing. They they they're so little in common uh, with the actual story of what Mike Magnola did. But he still he made it his own and he made it beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, sorry, Boozy, I totally cut you off. That's, no, that's totally okay. I appreciate the passion of it. Because like it's not that I it's not that I don't have passion for Guillermo. It's just uh, if he's has something coming out, I, I'm peripherally aware of it, but I'm not like instantly like okay, I have to check it out. But he, mechanically, he is fantastic at what he does, and just does such a great job of like the. I feel like everything has a little bit of gothic undertones for him, and I love that you guys mentioned "Don't Be Afraid of the Dark" because no, he didn't direct it, but he had a hand in it, and that is such an awesome film as well. And you can really feel that in there, that gothicism. And I think that would be a great film to even pair with this film itself if you wanted to watch something like that back to back, because they have a little bit of these kind of like lineage homes that are a little bit more than. Then there's you know set yeah. up to be originally which i is such a fun idea 
And you hear that, Lindsay? That's a double feature calling out to you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, I keep commenting on the wrong schlock and ah sometimes, thinking that she'll answer, and then it's like, oh yeah, it's that other one. Fuck sakes. (laughs) (laughs) You tweeted a different schlock and ah. There's two of them, and she's aware of it. We talked about it on the episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but I guess just talking a little bit about Crimson Peak, I, I think, Mark, you'd mentioned this a while ago, just kind of talking about the house itself, which I think is such an amazing set piece. It, it feels like uh, Beauty and the Beast, kind it's of. It's incredible. It, it, yeah, and I, I love that it's a combination of, like, this gothic reality mixed with, like, almost an industrialism. Uh, and, you know, you see, like... I think Guillermo really likes like vats and, and pools of things, <laughs> you know, that's like his shit. Cause he likes, you know, like dungeons. Cause I, I feel like in this, there's like these, those little dungeons that like the bodies are in that they're kind of like seeping and you don't, they don't, your characters don't notice at the start. Like, yeah, so when many- we were talking about being ghosts earlier. I just imagined being like trapped in that house and not being able to travel far from the, vat of red clay where my body was dumped and that just sounds really depressing i like swimming so that wouldn't mm-hmm. bother me. also uh this has like something to do with like uh, i can't remember the main woman's name is it elaine no edith what? edith she must have the most like insane coping skills because she's like my dad died and now i'm living in this mansion that's literally falling into a pit and everything's just cool uh, they walk I, I in feel like and she's she cool during it. I think because she goes mad quick. She like adapts to living there, though. Like the only reason she was down is because she was getting poisoned. I mean, look, the house is a piece of shit, but it's an amazing piece yeah. of shit. Like, I mean, it's like okay. So one of it's my what you'd call aesthetics... a fixer upper. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite aesthetics ever is in old movies and new movies. When they open the doors to some huge estate and leaves just blow all over. I love leaves (laughs) flowing through mansions. It's a great look. And like, okay, but I do have a question. It stresses me out when I see that. Honestly, I think that's like the dadism (laughs) in me where I'm like, fuck, somebody's got to clean that up. Yeah, that's how I am, too. That's the thing. That's the thing. It's like there's a pie fight in a movie or a food fight. It takes two. the Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen movie. There's a sloppy (laughs) Joe fight. Stresses me to high heaven. (laughs) <laughs> I have a question about the leaves in Crimson Peak. Mm-hmm. Where are they coming from? Because they're falling through the ceiling. They uh, imported them. There ain't no tree above that above that roof. Maybe nope. he was doing a little bit of greenhousing in his spare time somewhere. They're too busy it. fixing up the house that all the leaves that blow in from all around the country, yeah, they don't have time to rake them up. So they've just the groundskeeper who well, rakes all they the got leaves. too much goo to mine. Wait, they, they, they have a groundskeeper? Yeah, the old man, remember? Oh, I forgot about him because there was one point where I was just like, wow, if this were any other period, they would actually have like an entire crew of people working to keep this house up. But it's honestly, that was just the, the most two of them. They can't even part, right? There. They can't even afford one helper. But no, you're right. I forgot about yeah, it. But they need someone. And the one groundskeeper who mistakes her for one of his other wives. They need someone shoveling the, the snow in the living room there. That's one thing that the host could definitely use. Also, that's, yeah, I don't. Did they ever address like the fact did that dog just like piss and shit wherever it wanted in there? Oh, this is one of my favorite booziisms. Is questioning where the dog shits. <laughs> I can't remember what like, movie we were watching, but there there was something where it's like they're tra- trapped inside with a bunch of dogs. It's like 
you're never letting us where the we never see the dogs go outside they're just pooping away wait did y'all cover hotel for dogs (laughs) (laughs) oh my god scream for is emma roberts scream i just have to say like i i hope that that groundskeeper got good like a pension or something because yeah having to clean up after that dog plus that entire place is falling apart must be really fucking tough (laughs) and to have lucille sharp as your your boss Oh God! Oh, oh, I would kill just, for her to be. I, I just want to say she has her. insane. Uh, watching this the second time, she has insane cardio. The fact that she gets stabbed and can go up and down all those stairs and outrun everybody else is phenomenal. Oh, girl bossing boozy, I mean, look it up. She is like a fucking gold medalist in this thing. Like, how strong was that sink? And she just broke it with the guy's yeah. skull. Also, she's amazing. Heavily, I love her. Like, I, yeah, that's boy, the other yeah. thing I, I noticed this time around is how how I'm a hotel for dogs. That whole shot is built like a giallo, like a giallo sequence where you just see the black glove and her mm-hmm. yes. up behind him and that's what shot so brilliantly. I, I love Guillermo, and he's not saying it from the condescending way that other people will say this isn't a horror movie. He's like he's got his own specific reasons for like why he thinks this is like why he wouldn't call this a horror movie, but like Mm -hmm. it's got brutal murder sequences. And a lot of the action is kind of driven by ghosts. Like this is a horror movie. Yeah. It might be a gothic romance, but this is, I 100% don't buy anyone not calling this a horror movie. When he says it's not a horror movie, I genuinely think he's trying to be like, Look, don't get mad when you see it, and it's not like a boo boo in your face horror (laughs) movie. Which it also is. I think he's trying to like, I think he's trying to prepare people for what they're about to watch, whereas other people try and just distance themselves from it. I just psychological. I just have to say that, like, if you ever do, which was uh, such a fantastic jump scare in this, if you ever do a shot where you have or a scene where you have scratching at a door and you go to open it and you're like, oh, "Oh, it's the dog, and then you hear the dog bark, that you're in a horror movie. Nobody's doing that in a fucking comedy. Nobody's doing that in a sci-fi movie. That's some horror shit right there. Yeah, and like, don't even get me started. And it was good. Yeah, the brutally creepy scenes of the the ghost crawling out of the floor and then Mm -hmm. into her bedroom. Oh, my God. That's something I want to talk about because Guillermo takes a lot of heat, too, for his use of visual effects, which I I think that his particular brand that we see... I remember scary story. I know he didn't direct it, but that's scary literally, stories. Literally, that's his aesthetic. Yeah, the uh, pe- I remember people beating up on the jingle jangle man. I can't remember what his actual name is, but I was like, I thought that looked fucking awesome. And then when you watch it, the behind the scenes, awesome. it's all practical. And it's like even yes. these ghosts, those ghosts are practical, but then they just have like a little portion of her head is green screen so that they can like you know hollow it out and everything just be like the aesthetic of how they look that just it looks good it looks good and that's what annoys it's like yeah does it look real no but i don't fucking give a shit i'm watching a movie a a gothic (laughs) a gothic horror movie yeah if the ghost doesn't look real Mm. it's not gonna throw you off I don't know about these ghosts. That ghost doesn't look real. Yeah. It doesn't look like a real My ghost. My concept of what a ghost looks like <laughs> is not that. So I don't like this movie. Yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> I think that might be a side effect of this like whole like like when normies learn like uh filmmaking uh vocabulary, right? So like you have all these people who are like 
they don't like a movie and then they want to like throw a critique onto it that so so they'll be like the the cgi for the ghosts was so bad and it's like okay you heard a youtuber talk about cgi for a minute like you're, you're like you're not actually watching this thing because the ghosts are practical they're just like layering them and making them translucent and 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 giving them cgi like floating blood or or, or like clay or whatever mm-hmm. like that's it you know exactly like you're saying mitch whenever you really look at these ghosts they don't look cgi at all no i just i just think they look beautiful like it looks there's there's yeah. a beauty to them and that's something that you see throughout his his filmography and it's like done really really well in this one and uh it's something i also mentioned earlier is that like Guillermo, i feel like Guillermo's one of those guys who always has a passion project like uh for the longest time i could have sworn crimson peak was his passion project but i know at the mountains of madness was also uh like his biggest one oh, we need that we put do a, need everyone it. put that on your christmas list this year power <laughs> positivity <laughs> but uh but crimson peak just totally feels like Guillermo unleashed and i think that like it feels like such a pure a pure him film and that's why it it's works him so well. doing what he wants to do. yeah like yeah. this is truly what he wants to do the world he wants to build and yeah. how he wants to portray these characters and yeah it's, yeah it's he's having fun with it i love that i love that they didn't like this is a little fact that i found out from just looking like doing some research on the movie but uh not a single piece of that set was re retooled from another like that's just famously what always happens with uh with films like a camera oh yeah it was the what we do in the shadows like when taika set out to make that movie they stole a bunch of the um the wardrobe from the hobbit movies uh <laughs> and they used that and like that that makes it even funnier like when you watch it uh, um but in crimson peak it was all authentic and specifically built just for this movie and you can feel that because that set is unbelievable that's like one of the most beautiful sets i've ever seen in my life mm-hmm. so the production design is amazing. Yeah. We were and talking about, see- um, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say like one of the dumbest pieces of criticism I've ever heard of. <laughs> Hayden knows so where I'm, Hayden knows where I'm going so with this you, because we were talking about all the creatures were stirring er- earlier. <laughs> and, uh, the director of that Rebecca McKendry, one time on her old podcast, killer POV, she complained about the set because quote, a ch- one of the chairs on set cost more than her entire movie and that was the whole reason she did not like the movie yeah no and that that's she and mike that and it's just, that's that. the risk you like run a... when you're a podcaster and you want to start making movies i think about it all the time i've had so many stupid criticisms about movies that i now look back on i'm like fuck me like, <laughs> i was an asshole I I just want to say that she's now made herself a rival with a chair. Like she has a rivalry with this fucking chair now. But yeah, I mean, it's just like you hear a lot of silly criticisms, like not even just that. Like I remember hearing people go on about this as being like style over substance because the story itself is not that complicated. But like that's part of the cinema. Like the story is in the house. The story is in the set design. Like it's all going towards telling the story it's not i don't it's just it's it's a a classically told story too like Mm -hmm. it's simple to the Uh, point and it makes sense and then you know that that makes it uh there that opens up a a room for idiots to complain about it and be think that they're smarter than the movie and when there's a very specific subgenre like gothic romance or something and someone complains that oh i've seen this story before it's like yeah you're watching a gothic romance it's like 
it's like when somebody complains about like I saw I knew what the ending of that folk horror movie was going to be before it ended. Yeah. It's like yeah, because all of these movies are the same movie, but like the they're at this point they're made for the people who like those trappings. You know, you find comfort in that familiarity. Yeah. So. No, and they work for a reason. Those story beats work for a reason. That's why they're recycled so many times. And I say recycled with love. That's what movies are. They're just in constant evolution of other stories and ideas. And then they become unique by the person who's making them. And Guillermo is one of the best to do it. So it's like, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd watch that guy. I, there, there could, he could, fuck. I, I, for one, am actually excited for Barbie. <clears throat> but, yeah, absolutely. All the, all the Sigma Kings are. <laughs> yes. But, but I would love to see Guillermo del Toro's Barbie. Like that's what right. he could. I'm just saying the guy could do anything, you know, like, <laughs> And I'd be interested in it, but I also I mean, just love that uh, we get to watch Jessica Chastain get yeeted off that balcony <laughs> because she—I know you said that you love her, but she's so evil throughout the movie, and I think that that really is brilliant. She's uh, well, she's I'll, a real wicked witch in this. Let's yeah. talk about That's why Lucille, I love her because she she is a great character. Yeah, and she's the whole time and a I was watching this, one. And exactly. That's part of what I love about her. Like she is so evil, yet there's a humanity to her. And you like, even when she's doing the most cruel, heinous stuff, like, like giving her brother a hand job. You you sense the emotion behind it. And you're like, yes, like giving her brother a hand job. So sad. And what a hand job. Uh, the best part is on the commentary, uh Guillermo's like, he's like, in compare or in contrast with the scene where Edith and and Thomas have have sex. This scene with Thomas and Jessica Chastain is not meant to be sexy. It's supposed to be scary. And I was like, "Well, you failed, Guillermo, because <laughs> I'm too hot." Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sexy as hell. It's Jessica Chastain <laughs> and Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> yeah, they're two of the most oh, beautiful goodness. people alive. I have a goodness. question to propose, uh, Mitch. You kind of like got me thinking on this because of the Charlie Hunnam factor and where we are, we're in society. Do you feel like this movie got review bombed by Sons of Anarchy fans who who came over dragging their knuckles? Honestly, that's a very no. that that's you you might not- Sons of Anarchy fans don't know how to comment on like reviews sons of anarchy fans don't know how to watch movies or else pacific rim would have done better over here (laughs) that movie made all its money in china that movie is that's something i want to talk about because they kind of reminded me like pacific rim and crimson peak could not be more different that's part of what's so awesome about guillermo but they're both kind of similar in that like like i i I like Charlie Hunnam. Don't don't be don't be hard on Charlie Hunnam. And he's great in this movie because he's no, he's not. <laughs> well, yeah, it's such is. a weird like, it's such a weird choice for that character. And I don't know. I he's not great, but like I love. I don't know if it makes sense, but he's not great. But I love that he plays that character. I gotta get this point out before I forget. But I mean, you're right, and it's like. You're taking the guy who normally plays the handsome hero and then you're turning him into the damsel in distress. And it's it's a great touch. But what I love about like these two movies is the main character is like I like Charlie Hunnam in that and I like Mia Wasikowska in this, but they are like the most boring characters in their respective movies. And the more interesting characters are the side characters like Rinko Kikuchi in Pacific Rim and Lucille and Thomas in this, mm-hmm. like the more intri- like 
the more interesting stuff is going on on the sidelines in these movies. And I feel like that's a common theme that he wanted to explore in these, in this particular period in his career. I find that fascinating. You want to talk about more interesting stuff going on the sidelines. Let's talk about some character actors who pop up in this thing. You got Jim Beaver as Papa, and he's great. You got Jonathan Hyde as some critic, who's also great. And then the best. You got Bern Gorman playing a guy named Mr. Holly, and he may be my favorite character in any movie. Bern Gorman is fantastic. Uh, Oligriff? Is that how do you pronounce his name? Ogilvy? Sorry, Jesus. I think you just put a curse (laughs) on yourself. I probably did. I I read read the fucking Latin. (laughs) But shout out to that. That's our boy, Jonathan Hyde, who you might know from as Anaconda. Hell yeah. And Richie Rich. He's Cadbury. And the mummy and Jumanji and Titanic. He's my boy. He's amazing. He's and I feel amazing. like this is the first time that we've seen him in like a while since the mummy. Yeah. 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 No, it, it had been a while. But uh, yeah, no, there's tons of great actors in this. And that's the thing is, too, Charlie, back to what we were saying, Charlie Hunnam isn't bad in it. It's just he's so clearly not at the caliber that the rest of the cast yeah. is at. And that's what I think. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it's the only one that kind of stands out for me. And that could yeah. also be because. I'm going to diss myself. I was a Sons of Anarchy fan. I did name my dog Opie. And and I regret all of it. Uh, I did eventually fall off of Sons of Anarchy. And I tried going back. And that that show is borderline not not watchable. But So so Mitch, I really want to start watching it. Because I heard someone describe it as like a show where it's like the the worst criminals of all time. They're like. They'll try. They'll try and like uh, pull a heist to to steal like three hundred eighty dollars, and nine of their best friends will die. <laughs> yeah. That's like it's true. I want to watch that show so. But yeah. they'll also be really cool while they do it too. <laughs> yeah, don't forget. Listen, it came out when I was in my early twenties. I was very depressed. I was depressed for my all my twenties, but but for some reason it worked for me at the time. But I remember being like, "Oh, I, I could tell the moment the Sons of Anarchy started going bad," and I was like, "Oh no, this show is not not doing well." And then I went back to the beginning, and I was like, "Oh shit, it's been bad all along." <laughs> I didn't know there must have been. Like... It, it was just something in the water. I don't know. They had like some kind of hypnosis over us because I remember like, yeah, I watched that whole show front to back, and I. I don't think I could even go anywhere near it now. No, it's pretty the, rough. Those older oh. FX shows, like from from when they started doing dramas, they tried really hard to be cool and gritty. Yeah, and, and then they, I feel like they all. I never watched any of them really, but I feel like they all eventually jumped the shark pretty quickly. Like I remember Nip Tuck. I heard just oh. went fucking bananas at a certain point yeah honestly that's one that it was bad this is so, such a tangent but yeah that would, i loved nip tuck but nip tuck was a show that definitely jumped the shark and then yeah going back to it, it's like it was ridiculous from the get-go but <laughs> back back then you know we didn't have the cool fx show uh, i'm sorry i think i think sorry, that was sorry. effects but the one that i liked out of them was uh what the, the one the same guy who did sons of anarchy it was the cop one with michael chiklis oh the shield oh the shield the shield yeah it's just toxic I, you know, white guy stuff 
I heard the she I God, the shield the 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 end of the first episode they play ba with the ba as they're going on a raid and, and it's people the, wonder why I love it. Yeah, it's I was going to say that's the coolest fucking thing ever. Yeah. My name is Keith. Okay, I heard Chris. the shield was actually good for its entire run. Anyway, welcome back to FX Talk. Yeah, well, you know what was a good FX show? The Strain, produced by Guillermo oh, del Toro. Oh, bringing it back. Good work. I Hayden. actually liked. I did like what I saw of that. Yeah, I, I never got into it, but it wasn't because I didn't like it or anything. I just, I think I, it just, that one just slipped past me. Um, yeah, I never watched it. I watched the pilot and thought it was okay. Yeah, yeah, but that's, that's the thing though. It was like the, you know, even I remember at this time I was having, uh, I don't know if it would have been actually at this time, but there was a brief period where I wasn't a big Tom Hiddleston fan. I think it's because Loki was just in everything. And like, I was, yes. I'm still a Marvel fan. I like the, for the most part, the movies, but I just got kind of tired of them. And now go with a little bit of space between all that and going going back to this movie, I liked Crimson Peak significantly more this time around than I did even the other times. Uh, oh, but man. it's it's a beautiful I, movie and it's just so I can I, can, I definitely agree with that. I, I find that Tom Hiddleston, I just kind of wrote him off as being a douche. Yeah, he's, he's Loki definitely was not. like a douchey <laughs> character. And I was just like, yeah, he's a douche. But yeah. he's really I, yeah, he's a fantastic actor. And he takes some fucking brutal shit in this film. He takes some W's. Yeah. He takes some brutal shit in this film. Well, seriously, that, I, uh, his death is like a terror, oh, yes. like a fear of mine. Not like horrifying. There's something, there's something more visceral about being stabbed in the cheek, like <sighs> in that area. Oh. And, and you see you see it like in his you eye. don't see it in his eye. Yeah. But yeah, Ugh. you see the blood and in by his your eye. lover oh, slash God. sister, yeah. nonetheless. At the hands of the person who loves you most in this world. Yeah, but that uh, I love his ghost look though. Like when he comes back and he he, he does have that like ethereal. Man, he just instantly ghostifies. He's like, I'm over here now. Yeah, I'm over here now. I the uh so Tom Hiddleston, one of my dream movies that will never happen. But like, I so badly want them to do like a a hammer a like hammer horror. Uh, um miniseries or something about like the making of all those movies oh. i want him to play peter cushing so bad. oh man you're speaking my god that sounds amazing i would love he that. would be a perfect peter i don't know who could play chris lee because really no one could play chris lee but he would make a perfect peter cushing it's gonna be brendan fraser in a skinny better, suit better than the guy in, <laughs> in a skinny suit you think that uh tom hillson would be better than the guy they got for rogue one Shut it. <laughs> I don't even hey, know. We're... We will not take any Rogue One slander on this. Oh, no. I, I love Rogue One. I'm okay. Just I'm clarifying. Clarifying. slander the Cushing stuff because that's a that's an abomination. <laughs> that's a great <laughs> casting choice. Like him as Peter Cushing. Oh, I would love that. Um, that's awesome. I love it. I love him in this movie too. I think he's one, I think he's wonderful as like the like the goth gothic romance archetype totally yeah, he, he, fits he really so well. fits he fits that yeah really well like i could i could see him uh gothically making love to like a vampire or something <laughs> gothic gothically <laughs> making I, gothically like, making love i think there's like how you do it is like there's a move you like <laughs> the one hand and stays on during sex babe <laughs> one hand is like on the back one hand is like on the thigh and then you just go like blah, blah, blah. that like that, that's good yeah, that's, that's a good move. move that's a good move write it I'm down folks. Steal that move that's the that's one the hand Hiddleston. on the back, one hand on the thigh, and then go. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> oh yeah, shout out but, Doug uh, Jones too. <laughs> oh, Doug Jones, just MVP of every time he's in a Del Toro joint. Was it, was it Doug Jones and and Javier Botet, right? Yes. The two guys. Javier Botet. That's guys. right. This was, this was in the era of Botet where he was doing all those roles. He was like the new Doug Jones. Do you think Doug Jones? I mean, Doug Jones is like an a famously very, very, very nice guy. Yeah. So like probably not, but if I was Doug Jones, the whole time seeing Javier Bertet coming up, I'd be like, You better stay out of here. You're taking all my roles. Fucking <laughs> Just barking. <laughs> Fun fact. God, we're going off on so many tangents, but if we're talking about Jones and Botet, Doug Jones played the little the little girl over there in the apartment at the end of quarantine, the role that Javier Botet played in Wreck. Oh, so he's he's literally like following. Like they're literally following in each other's footsteps. Doug Jones also played the ice cream man in the trailer for that movie Legion. Oh my god! And I the assume old lady also movie. in the movie oh Legion, the old lady crawling on the ceiling movie. I could we forget? Yes. With Dennis Quaid as a oh as god, a cook Dennis with Quaid. a hook for a hand or something. Yeah. Dennis Quaid and Tyrese. I forgot all about Legion. I saw that movie in the theater. Oh god, I hated that money when I was younger. That be Mark and I's next next movie on the territory. They yeah. made a TV show out of it. <laughs> what? They no, did. They made. They made a TV. I'm pretty sure they made a TV. Did they make? Show you're a liar. Because oh, you're a bold faced liar. You, you might be right what? because I. But I know they did like uh, Dan Stevens. It's like a DC universe show based Wait. on the character Legion. I think it's well, no, movie. there's that, but there I'm they did. You're I, right, Mark. You are right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I fuck, I remember that. Yeah, that what, what were they? who was asking for that? The people who went and saw Legion and Priest. Me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I watched Priest. Wait, are you serious? Wait, yeah. Wait. <laughs> the boys Wait. got anything else that... they want to say about Crimson Peak? Oh. <laughs> oh sorry. Uh, I, I, I got, I got thrown off there. Um, I mean, we, I guess we did, I guess we did talk about the hand job already. <laughs> well, yeah. We covered the most important part right there. I know. I, I got to mention something. So I saw this movie three times in theaters, partially cause I loved it, but also partially cause I'd started working at a movie theater. So I got discounts and I got free movies. I was taking full advantage. Okay. The- hey, what, what, before you continue, what's the, what's the secret to the popcorn? <laughs> I did not get near the popcorn. So I don't know. What do you, you got discounts and you're like, I don't want popcorn. No, not a popcorn. I, I'm, I'm, popcorn's huh. fine. But like, I'm, I mean, it was what? Alamo draft house. So I was more of like a meal. Hey, you know this. this is your brother. Pop. <laughs> Pop is the dude. Popcorn is essential. It, yes, I'm. I'm. I don't know. I've never. I mean, I like popcorn. What do you just do fine. at the theater? You just sit there with your hands on your lap. Look, You're not I'm, eating like a fucking monster. I'm. I'm a hot dog guy. So I get a oh. hot dog, and it's usually oh, gone man. by the time the movie starts. I mean, respect on the hot dog, but I need like a giant, oversized thing mm-hmm. of popcorn. Like I got him. I, eat till i hate myself yeah and 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 it's before the trailers even start Mm -hmm. like as soon as i sit down it's now here's the question what do you 
dumping in the popcorn are you done i'm an m&m and popcorn guy. well you guys are americans so i don't know if you can like relate at all but like down here i got my ketchup seasoning and i sprinkle that in and it's oh it's fucking right because that's not a US thing. you guys are not ketchup US chips US there hey no ketchup what ketchup chips like uh, ketchup dr- chips are a big thing here my guy oh yeah you guys are yeah, we're like blowing your mind here yes condom i've been to chips. canada twice and i never had ketchup well, yeah. you're gonna be so there's unfortunately we don't have mustard chips though which oh my is... god that's so fucking well, gross <laughs> what's now i i did get to okay so priv- <laughs> well, privilege privilege tangent right here real, real quick after high school i did go to europe for a week and it was during the world cup so it, i it, i was like in london when london was playing the u.s and they had all these different flavors of lays chips this is the thing i remember from that trip <laughs> they had all these different flavors of lays chips and they had a ham they had a cheeseburger flavor and you could literally take a chip and eat one chip and you could taste every flavor of a cheeseburger yep cheese mustard ketchup and i was like this is blowing pickle <laughs> blowing my mind yeah uh, we have a, a ballpark hot dog flavor here that's also fucking terrific and it's like that too so like, y'all yeah. have those chips that's what happened to the chips yeah, they Canada, yeah they're, they're like a common at our superstore <laughs> now, if you don't like pickles on your burger can you get like a substitute for the chips for no, like ones that don't have the pickle like in the adult. i'm, I'm with, not, i'm with mark I'm a I'm a no pickles on my burger guy. I love dill fuck? pickles, my favorite yeah. flavor, everything, but not on a fucking burger. Not, not on, on a burger. burger. Do you at least order it with pickle and then take the pickle off so you can have the pickle flavor no, on there without the near my you know if I would burger. I would order it anyway and give it to someone else who genuinely enjoys the pickle. <laughs> if someone wanted my tomato, by all means, have my tomato. This is by far Ooh. the biggest tangent. Let me let, yeah, let me get let me get hey, back tomatoes to the, are red, which is crimson. I got to get back to go. the point that I was making. So yeah, I would I saw it three times at the Alamo Draft House when this movie was out. They had they actually t- had a beer that tied into the movie. They had a Crimson Peak Ale and Ooh. it was an amber ale. Mm. And it was delicious. And I had it. I must have had that like every time I went to the movies until they stopped serving it, which is like pretty much the rest of the year. It was, I have such fond memories. I would give anything for them to bring that beer back. Did it have like a catchphrase on it? Like tastes like incest or something like that. <laughs> Amber beer is real. This much. I know uh, it doesn't ring. It doesn't ever ring. To it. I do love That's Amber beer I... though. Also, I just want to point out what a great year for snowy movies. 2015 was because this came out it's like, late. Yeah, this came out a couple months away from Revenant. The Hateful Eight, The Revenant, and Carol. And if you Ooh. were lucky enough to see The Black Coat's Daughter in 2015. Mm-hmm. That's a snowy-ass that year, was, dude. I, As someone, snow is like that's a my lot favorite. Of my guys. That's one of my favorite things to be in a movie. You have a snowy setting in a movie, I am there. So that was a great year. Are you guys around snow? Yes. I, I don't even know whereabouts. Hell no. no. It snows in Texas like once every Actually, oh, more you guys and more had that like, grid get knocked out the other year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every now and then we'll get snow. It's like it used to be once every 50 years. And now it's like once every two years. <laughs> and because nothing, nothing, nothing is wrong with the climate or anything. No, you know, it's just, it's just how yeah. it's happening. But uh, <laughs> I wish we could give it to you but, guys. I'm a fucking over the snow already. 
Well, I've I've spent like a good deal of my life in Colorado because my parents spend a lot of time up there. So I've 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 pl- I've spent plenty of time around. They filmed so South Park it. there. <laughs> <laughs> they filmed they filmed that documentary South Park up there. I I've spent enough time in the Pacific Northwest to know I really like snow, but I haven't lived with snow, yeah. so I'd probably you, feel different. You come sure. on down here for a month, and if you survive it, then you'll be like, I fucking hate snow. Yeah. <laughs> We're 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 like a uh, Anakin Skywalker, but instead of sand, we hate snow. Yeah, <laughs> it's coarse and it it's wet and it gets everywhere. Imagine dry driving, and it's the the most annoying thing. Yeah, we couldn't drive on. We 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 literally couldn't drive for like a week in Texas because there was a little bit of ice. Yeah, oh, no, that's that's what Dave that's what David Pryor David Pryor roasted our entire state because of that. I we were I'm lucky enough to live in a state where if the roads get icy, Amazon's like, okay, we'll close down our station. We're not having deliveries, but other places where it roads freeze regular, they're probably like, suck it up. Yeah, in Saskatchewan, your entire garage could be snowed in, and you still need to go to work. And then even in Vancouver, there's an inch of snow and everyone runs around like they're fucking the, everything's on fire. <laughs> it's unreal. Oh, my God. But uh, but yeah, Crimson Peak, real good movie. We all we really all enjoyed good. it. Yeah. Uh, Anything else a, you guys want to add before time. we close up? Well, so I want to mention real quick, the Arrow Blu-ray release of it is really cool. Oh, my it's God. I'm good little got some good little special features on there like we mentioned the commentary is very is very very good however my favorite detail about the arrow blu-ray release is the alternate the reverse art on it is amazing because at first you have this whatever little art with like the with like the red ghost oh i love that art too turn it around i love that art too well you turn it around and it turns it into one of those classic paperback covers of like the woman running away from the scary house. And that's exactly what kind of story this is. Mm-hmm. And it's Mia Wazakowska with like the uh, candelabra or whatever. And she's like standing next to a tree with Allerdale Hall all the way in the background. And it's amazing. I love that so much. Yeah, actually, I, I didn't even know about this release. That actually reminds yeah, yeah, they actually they put one out with like a big thick fancy book and I saw it every time I went to this record store and I was just like like eh, I've already got the universal blue, maybe next time. And now that it's out of print, it's like one of my most sought after things. <laughs> but also I want to mention it before I forget, uh Mondo put out this great uh poster for crimson peak by daniel danger you guys should look it up sometime i've actually managed to get that and i haven't gotten it framed yet i've had it for like four years and i still haven't gotten it framed because i'm lazy as hell but it's like oh it's beautiful one of my favorite things mondo's ever done it's incredible yeah i'm looking at it now. I have it's a, so gorgeous yeah this is amazing it's the i have a few Guillermo things i want to ask you all about before we close out close out okay Okay, Guillermo is one of these guys who's known for like announcing every project he's interested in, and then like he quits most of them. So like they they mostly never go anywhere or they get canceled. So sometimes he walks out, and sometimes uh, they just you know fall apart. So there's a few that I want y'all's opinions on. Y'all mentioned at the Mountains of Madness. Now, most recently, they released that CGI test. Yep for it which was interesting very cool however even more recently 
after the release of Pinocchio, he said there is renewed interest and he might do it as a stop motion feature. I'd be into that. And I, I honestly don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> Any way that, that he can get this done, I think in whatever style he will excel. He's just yeah. that good of a it storyteller. Would be, it would be interesting, but I don't know if stop motion, like it just seems like a weird fit, but you know, if it's the only way to get it made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. And it's... look, I'm a major hypocrite here because I've been so excited for the Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio movie. I love stop motion. I love Guillermo. I think that those two would work so well together. It's been out for like two weeks. I still haven't seen it. So yes, I, I watched it. I don't, I watched it. I don't know how how successful it is it's very interesting however it kind of makes me sad and not totally in the way that like it wants to because it is a sad movie it's Guillermo Pinocchio movie and it's pretty good but it makes me a little sad because my big project of his that I wish he would just do already while he has the clout Hellboy 3 like well Hellboy well Hellboy 3 would be Uh, we got Hellboy 3 oh no (laughs) Hellboy three at home, <laughs> the David Harbor one. Oh boy, mom, I want Guillermo del Toro's Hellboy three. Hellboy three at home. <laughs> we have Hellboy three. That's good. I for me, I just want him to make to stop. I just want him to make Frankenstein already. Oh, he's yeah. been talking about it That'd forever. It's clearly yeah. like it's clearly like the movie that he feels he was put or the story. He feels he was put on this earth to make. And the cool thing about Pinocchio is he puts a lot of those ideas he wanted to do with his Frankenstein in it, but in a way that makes me sad. Cause I'm almost like, Oh, does that mean he's, he's like, like the closest gonna you're going to get to it. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's cool. It's interesting, but I just want that Frankenstein movie already. Like, yeah, I would love that. And like, you, you know, and I know we already talked about too, that the creature from black lagoon, like he had famously mentioned that that was the biggest influence on the shape of water. I like that. It's different yeah. enough. Like, cause I do like shape of water. Um, but I like, it, yeah, man. I like, I just, I don't want to make it sound like I really don't like the movie. It's just, it, it's nowhere near the top for me out of his movies. Um, but right. I, I, yeah, the Frankenstein is absolutely the most interesting one that I think I'd like to see from him. Uh, it, it's got to get done soon, though. Huh. I mean, he he like he puts those ideas in any movie he does with the monster. Yeah. He always like puts his idea of the Frankenstein monster, what makes him love it into all of his creatures. But I'm like, just do the thing already. Just do the thing you're always talking about already. Because I would love to see. Yeah, it. I think it's his movies the, are so expensive. They they and are. He's, the Frankenstein couldn't be more expensive yeah. than he's. I guess it could. He seems know. bulletproof. Like I guess because he gets these like Oscar hits every few years that kind of keep they they keep giving him money because like Pacific Rim made a lot of money in China, but that was kind of viewed as a. Uh, like bomb over here for a while it didn't do so much and yet he still got to make crimson peak and mm-hmm. shape of water after that and then shape of water won best picture that's about the best oscar thing you can get yeah. and then he made nightmare alley which bombed and he's got pinocchio who knows it's how also a good movie him. nightmare alley was really good love nightmare alley i love nightmare alley um i think that might be my second favorite movie of his but that might be recency bias but Okay, the other unmade project I want to talk about because there are a ton. Yeah. We could talk about him for hours. He's, he's like Spielberg. He's got a million unmade projects, but 
the the other one that I think is so funny is like he was in talks to work with Disney and do an adaptation of Wind in the Willows, oh, which yeah. would have been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I love Wind in the Willows. But Mitch or Boozy or uh, Mark, I know you've heard the story, but have you heard the story about his meeting with Disney? About no, Wind in the I, I actually don't think <laughs> so, I have heard it. He said said he went in. He went in for a meeting about Wind in the Willows and um, he gave them the pitch uh, about like what, you know, what the the book means to like fantasy literature, to children's literature, what he wanted to do with it all these like transcendental ideas about what it means and all this kinds of, you know, very thoughtful Guillermo stuff. And then one of the producers or the studio heads was like, could Toad have like a skateboard and could he be like a really <laughs> radical dude? And then, and then Guillermo just got up and walked out. Like leaving. he was fucking poochy. <laughs> when was this? What, when did this meeting take place? I think in 2011. I, I think somewhere around that time. Right. Like just, a Tony Hawk had I, recently been released. And... You're telling me that the people <laughs> running Disney aren't level-headed human beings? <laughs> yeah. uh, Tony was skateboarding. Dudes. Could he be a radical dude? <laughs> oh, and he's voiced God. by Nick Kroll. <laughs> <laughs> that company let Gore Verbinski make a Lone Ranger movie. <laughs> oh, my God. I still haven't Hell seen yeah. it. I've heard it's great. It's awesome, but it's, it's still just like when they're they're not letting Guillermo del Toro do what he wants, and then they're letting shit like that happen. Yeah, it doesn't. Nothing makes sense. I'd love to be a fly on the wall in mm-hmm. any of his meetings because yeah, the guys just got ideas that are so much bigger than this world, and uh, yes. but that's the thing is like you know for the most part he knocks it out of the park, and uh, I think there we are long past the point of doubting what this guy can do. So I just want to see anything he wants to put on screen. I'd love to I see agree. an alternate universe where he got to make Pacific Rim Uprising. Man, holy have, shit! I'm I have a, not seen that. Uh, I saw it and it was so bad. Um, and don't I was a they, Pacific Rim fan. Like I, I, I love was, Pacific Rim. So don't they fun. kill off Rinku Kikuchi's character at the beginning of mm-hmm. Uprising? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. not a movie I want to watch. No, it, it was pretty rough. I remember that was when I, it, it takes a lot for me to want to leave a movie halfway through. And I, I was just like so exhausted by it. It was just a, it was one of those ones that just annoyed me. Um, but yeah, everything that made the first one special, like, you know, Guillermo's voice is just not there. It was just like, oh, here's another Transformers movie that isn't Transformers. Yeah. So, it gave it gave Hayden a gift he likes to send every now and then, though. So I guess that's oh, Charlie Day screaming. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's I forgot good that was. Yeah, that was Charlie Day's like big money <laughs> grab right there. Oh, well, oh, yeah. Oh, no, the trailer for Pacific Rim Uprising was good. It was better than the movie because because when I worked at Draft House, we played it in front of everything. And it was it was it, they had the am I wrong because I want to get it on till I die. And then eventually it just like my my memory just morphed it into am I wrong because I want to die because that I saw that trailer like a million times. I just wanted to be dead. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh yeah not not a great one but crimson peak is and uh you guys are great you guys are such delightful human beings i'm so happy we were able to make this happen yeah and uh yeah, thank, dude. I thanks for having a... us man this was a blast Absolutely. yeah thanks for for yeah, being so on and, and suggesting a, a film that we all enjoyed and got to have a good conversation about yeah 
Oh, yeah, yeah, this is, uh, you know, the, this whole this whole conversation that we've had is, you know, exactly why we wanted to start this podcast six years ago. And uh, yeah, it's just a blast getting to talk to you guys. And obviously, we'll have you back on in the new year. Where can, uh, awesome. where can people find you, you fellas, if, if they want to hang out and chat with you? Hey, you can find me on Twitter at the shape 14, uh, capital T. Hell yeah. That's a badass username right there. <laughs> it's a little guy. bit boozy, a little bit me. Cause, uh, yeah. 14 Mitchell over 14. Yeah. Wow. Really? That's yeah. Nice. Is that, Sorry, is, go on. Go is that on. like your go-to username number? It was my baseball number when I was like 10. <laughs> oh my God. So you have a reason to be attached to that number. For some reason, one day I just decided 14 my lucky number. And it's I a just good like, number. I use it on every number. but yeah ca- uh, capital THD underscore capital SHAP 14 you can find me on letterbox mark Warner. Uh, i'm not doing anything important on either one of those sites but every now and then i write something stupid i'm proud of on letterbox so <laughs> give me a follow you're a great follow uh, I, oh, that's thanks, a, you know thanks. and I, I i don't know uh how you guys feel but it, you obviously have gotten to know my personality a little bit uh over time but like whenever I say those guys are fucking insane or those psychotic <laughs> opinions that they have, I mean that with love. And I love logging yeah. into Letterbox and seeing Mark Warner give something ridiculous five stars. <laughs> <laughs> like, what uh, is are you are you generous with the fives, Mark? I think Not you just so really much, like movies. Not so much the fives, but I'm a very positive guy. Like I tend once. Like, I don't give a lot of things below three. I can usually find the positive. But a movie needs to really work for me to give it a five. Yeah. I hand out fives, man, because uh, they're there. Why, you're not going to use them? I mean, come on. Hayden, where can where <laughs> like, can people find you when you're if you're handing out fives? Where can they check it out? So, so I'm on Letterboxd. Hayden comes alive. Um, find me there. I don't really give out any of my other social media because I don't really have any other social media, but you can find me on letterbox. Follow me there. Uh, slide in my DMS. No, you can't, you can't direct message people on letterbox, but, but I did recently have a short story published in roadkill volume seven. Uh, so if you cool. want to get somebody, uh, this is past Christmas at this point, but if you want to get somebody a nice little birthday present, get them Roadkill Volume Seven. They can read the short story Axe Squatch, written by Hayden Gilbert in there. And that sounds uh, fucking incredible. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to. Re- I'm definitely going to read it. What, what's the story called? Axe Squatch. Axe Squatch. Does it have anything to do with Sasquatch? So it's about a Bigfoot with an axe. <laughs> Boozy. Is like an actual. I know it axe. sounds incredible. Like, an I told actual you these axe, are people. just like an axe to grind. Like it's a metal. Uh, he's got an axe to grind, but he also has a physical axe that he picks up and he kills people with it. Oh, I cannot. I cannot wait to read that. And before we close up here, uh, just want to quickly read Mark Warner's uh, letterbox uh, bio: is Michael Bay, Rob Zombie, and Zack Snyder are pretty cool, baby. <laughs> I need to change that. <laughs> Oh my god. Not and now. We, we never we, never change attack, that. Mark. The, never attack of the clones four stars. <laughs> I yeah, now he's I'm, just calling I'm, you out right now. I'm sorry. I'm an I'm an individual. Pretty cool, baby. I don't know. Pretty, cool. pretty pretty cool, baby. Like you, like, cool. you guys need people like me out there because at a certain point you get tired of seeing five star reviews for pulp fiction or 
<laughs> which know, is a five-star movie yeah but, it is yes but uh yeah i keep saying last thing but one of my absolute favorite markisms is you quoting chris pratt in jurassic world saying oh boy <laughs> yeah i random quote like i have oh random boy. quotes that just stick in my head like crimson peak uh jessica chastain at once refers to jim beaver as a coarse condescending man and for some reason that quote just sticks with me the most random quotes from the most random well it's it's the best when it's something so inane you can quote it to anything but you're like chris (laughs) pat chris pratt from jurassic world (laughs) oh boy (laughs) jeez okay well yeah this was a blast fellas and um yeah look forward to hearing you on more episodes i know you guys got some exciting stuff coming up on I believe Film Feast and uh, Film Feast. Is that where you guys are doing your top discoveries? Yeah. Well, yeah. We're, we're, doing... Uh, well we're doing the top 10 of the year. We're going to do the definitive <sighs> top 30 movies of the year, or I guess top each of our top 10s. Not, nothing outside of them. Yeah. Because if like three of us put Morbius on there, that's not going to count as three separate movies. No. no. Okay. Yeah. And there, but obviously Morbius is going to show up right um yeah all right guys thank you all so much for listening to another episode of the terror table and we will see you next time where we will be talking about uh mine and boozy's favorite top 10 favorite horror movies of the year uh so we got lots of catching up to do i know we got to start two weeks of holidays a day from like i got one more day of work and then it's gonna be just movies baby just yeah dive right into tubi yep (laughs) tubi (laughs) for all of the new release flicks yep um all right anything else you guys want to say before we close up Oh, cue the coolest podcast theme song there is. Oh, thank oh, you. Oh, thank you. All right. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. And we'll see you next time on the Terror Table.